does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Well, I got to manage it. You know what I mean? We got some young guys. You know, our, our two veterans are sitting on the side, and they're not coming through that door anytime soon. So, you know, I'm going to have to manage it. You know, our guys are a little down right now, and they should be. They got smacked in the face tonight. And, you know, my thing is we're just – we're not competing at all. And, and that's on me. You know, I got to get us competing harder and stronger. And we're not, not doing that. You know, we was awful in guard. We had a good game plan going in. And we just – I mean, half of the threes, we're right there with a hand and hoping that they miss instead of just getting into the ball and making them put it down. It was all of us, really, um, just coming together and, and saying that the effort that we gave in the first half isn't going to get it done. Um, if we come out with the same effort we did in the first half, it was going to be it was going to be a long night for us. So I said we, we just all came together and. Um, and I just said it's time to take it personally and go out there and, and give a better better effort on both ends. And I thought we did a good job, just didn't make enough plays. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. It is a gloomy afternoon in the basketball state gloomy. for the Indiana Hoosiers. That's where we start this afternoon on The Fan. We are awaiting an injury update on Tyrese Halliburton. We do not have news for you as of right now. The Colts are interviewing maybe the top young up-and-coming defensive mind in the National Football League. That conversation is going on right now. And you are joined right now by Charlie Clifford of Wish TV and Scott Pollard. Scott, welcome back. It was a fun afternoon yesterday. But we, we're not here for fun. No. We're here to annoy people, which is fun. Scott, you have a track record that is amongst the best in terms of those who have made the voyage through the NBA, and now we're here with you, and we're thrilled to have you back, man. I'm really glad to be here. You um, you watched last night at Madison Square Garden before we get into maybe what can help Mike Woodson, because everyone has a million reasons of why IU's season will not be able to turn around in the other direction. Uh, it was ugly yeah. at, at Penn State last night. But first, we spent plenty of time really drumming up this Pacers-Knicks <laughs> rivalry that felt like it was back on. And first and foremost, I want to give the Pacers' second unit, TJ McConnell, those who had to step in last night, a ton of credit because Miles Turner, pregame, back spasms, out. Unplanned. Unplanned. Uh, so James Johnson steps in. He hasn't played much of any minutes this season he starts his assignments guarding Julius Randle right out of the gate yikes Tyrese Halliburton third quarter it looked like two different players stepped on his right foot it was an awkward play his shoe comes off very gingerly walks off the floor I think many of us thought okay when your shoe's not on on a basketball floor it's just kind of that awkward imbalance. You walk carefully because you don't want to slip because yes. your sock is wet from sweat. And so you don't want to slip. And the floors are very slick when, you, when you're not wearing shoes. So, yeah, you tend to walk like you're kind of limping anyway because you don't want to fall down. And then we learned post game from Rick Carlisle, 
credit Carlisle, the veteran coach, getting ahead of the story. Look, Tyrese Halliburton's going to leave on crutches. The hope is it is nothing serious. He's going to be evaluated tomorrow. It's a left knee. Uh-oh. This story looks a little different than what it looked uh, like on the floor, no? Yeah, stepping on the foot. Yeah. yeah we're, we're, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening. We're not <laughs> doctors, and we weren't there, and we haven't seen his his leg. But uh, from what it looked like, it looked like a foot injury or an ankle something uh, because he was stepped on and his shoe comes off. So you're thinking, okay, how is that a knee? And then all of a sudden they say, oh, it's a knee. That is uh, – knees are worse than ankles in that kind of scenario you you can tweak an ankle and be like ah you know what and then the next day sometimes you swell up and it's bad and most of the time though you're like i just tweaked it and it's fine Mm -hmm. a knee has a lot more little things that could go wrong with it and so not knowing what happened to his knee is a bigger much bigger question mark to me as as a former athlete a former player in that league you know when your knee is tweaked, you tend to take it a lot more seriously than your, an ankle that's tweaked. And I don't know why, because I had really bad ankles and I had good <laughs> knees. Now I have bad knees and great ankles because I have them both rebuilt. But um, Bionic. Yeah. Well, that ended my career. I, you know, I had to get the, the old ankles re- rebuilt so I could just walk normal uh, for the most part. But, hey, uh, we hope that Halliburton uh, sees the docs today. Yeah. And they go, you know what? We're good. Like, it, it was just a tweak. Uh, but we'll find out. Well, as soon as we know, you'll know, ladies and gentlemen. Knicks last night, 119-113. Pacers trailed by as many as 25. It was ugly. It was ugly until it wasn't. Again, they got back to within two. Uh, TJ McConnell, fantastic. 14 points, eight boards, seven assists. He was turning the clocks back to 1995, Scott. It looked like Mark Jackson was picking up Jalen Brunson full court at the Garden. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was and, fun. And that's potentially before McConnell was born. Uh, it would have been close. probably – he was probably four or five at the time, <laughs> but you're right. And, uh, look, Rick Carlisle also made a funny comment post game. You and I were texting back and forth. All right, back spasms, what's that really mean for Miles Turner? You threw out the thought, all right, this is maybe something you do when someone's about to be traded. Carlisle – Again, comes out without being invoked post game. Yeah, I've been told on Twitter that uh, everyone thinks this trade's like going to happen tonight. I have no interest in trading Miles Turner. That is not happening. He is not being traded. This is the second time Carlisle's come out. Let's face it. There's probably a little bit of disagreement at the moment between the front office and Rick Carlisle in terms of do you risk <laughs> letting Miles Turner walk and get nothing in return this summer? Or. Do you just keep this great story going and not not risk telling the team directly by selling off its its best defensive stopper and the man in the middle of his career year, eight seasons into the league, that, hey, we're going to need to get something for you because you haven't signed a contract extension. What are your thoughts about probably what we can safely say is a bit of a disagreement likely behind the scenes Either that is there now or will be ahead of the trade deadline, Scott. Well, what brought me to that conclusion last night in our text message just between you and I, Charlie, was the the absolute reality that is if you're going to trade somebody, you don't want them to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And so back spasms is not a serious injury. It's something that you can just get. And it's an easy excuse of why somebody's not playing. But the real reason might be because we don't want him to go out and get hurt mm-hmm. because we do have a deal in place. Now, again... We don't know, 
But that's a possibility because I've had that happen to teammates <laughs> where they're like, oh, well, you got back spasms? Yeah, I'm not playing tonight. Next day, they're in a different jersey. Locker room's gone. Yeah. Locker's empty. They're, they're in a different jersey. They're in yeah. a different state. Uh, and so uh, the other thing is, is the kiss of death, the kiss of death from any GM is when they say, I have no interest in trading you. You're part of the future of this franchise. That happened to me both times right before I got <laughs> traded. Both times. So I'm those those words don't mean anything. When Rick Carlisle says, I have no interest in trading Miles Turner, I'm sitting here going, maybe. <laughs> but it also might mean that he's just deflecting because, again, the deal is in the works and it's almost done. I don't know. Maybe they're planning on keeping him. I think they should. He's been here his whole career. Uh, Sky. He's dealt with the, the bumps and bruises and the warts that he, his inconsistency has been thus far in his career. What are you gonna What are you gonna do now to upgrade? Scott, you hit the nail on the head. Miles Turner should not be traded. You're trying to rebuild a culture here. It has worked beyond your greatest expectations at the beginning of the season. Miles Turner has been one of the few to. Do the opposite of what Paul George and Victor Oladipo did. Granted, they're different levels of player. There is no reason to ship Miles Turner off for, let, let's face I don't know what that return would look like. It would not net you. I would expect a lottery pick next year. I'm with you 100%. I don't even really want to discuss this. How do you this, this, story, this story is too fun right now <laughs> to, to bring in something that would totally blow up Potentially this locker room, all the momentum that you've built and worked your tail off and, and risked to build. Don't do it. He's one just of your he's one of your guys that's yeah. why this is happening right now. And you're gonna just take a risk on getting a better talent in here and destroying the momentum. Nah. I know. It, it's a no. It makes no sense at all at this point. Colts interviewing right now <laughs> Denver Broncos Ijero no Ivero, 42 years young, first year as a defensive play caller in Denver. The Denver defense was fantastic. You watched Russell Wilson, who Scott in the final week of the season finally eclipsed his amount of touchdown passes eclipsed the amount of bathrooms in his new Denver mansion. <laughs> there was a Twitter as Jimmy Cook nods in agreement. Jay Cook, how many followers did that account gain this season? It started a grassroots organic Twitter followership, and I believe it eclipsed tens of thousands by the end of the year. And, and we're going to, uh, as I check here, my update here, Vic Lombardi from... Altitude Network out in Denver is going to join us later on the show with a little more about this up-and-coming defensive coordinator from Denver who is in Indianapolis today. We assume he flew in late last night and he's meeting with the Colts this afternoon. Will he be able to convince Jim Ursay that, hey, you need a young, energetic voice that players are going to not question and Let's get a great OC in here to run the offense with a new rookie quarterback. It appears this Avero, uh, again, first-year play caller with the Broncos, top five unit, 14 years in the NFL. He was a best friend and teammate of Nathaniel Hackett at Cal. That's how he wound up in Denver uh, after helping the Rams to a Super Bowl two years ago. He was the secondary coach. But Scott Pollard, Jimmy, it appears by all accounts there have been multiple kind of shout outs today for him he is the hot up-and-coming young defensive name if you're Chris Ballard is a young someone with no experience on the defensive side of the ball 
Is that simply not checking enough boxes with this impending quarterback question here? How do you size up that from a broad perspective? We just saw him give somebody with no coaching experience a head coaching <laughs> job. So I, I, that that seems to be like, oh, there's a real possibility here. <laughs> um, I, we don't know. You know, if, if it ends up being Saturday uh, as the full-time head coach, then that's the answer, right? Is we're going to go with inexperience and rebuild everything from the ground up. Um, but is he coming in as the head coach? Yes, he is interviewing for the head coach. That's what I'm saying. It's rhetorical. Is is he coming in as the head coach as yet another one that eh, has some experience at least, but not at the head coaching level, and we're going to take the franchise in that direction. So, I mean, these are are interesting interviews, to say the least, when you have a billion-dollar franchise at Mm -hmm. stake and a fan base that is rabid and was ready for a playoff team this year and is now looking like they're going to be denied a playoff team for at least a couple years. I think that's reality, Scott Pollard. Jimmy, where are you at on this? For me, the defense, as we all know, wasn't the massive problem all this year. It was continued struggles on the offensive end. And again, the quarterback is still the biggest issue with this team. But I don't want a full-scale defensive-minded coach, unless it's like a massive name, as the head coach in Indianapolis. Like Colts. Dan want, Quinn, want, would that right. be that? Yeah. In that category, because he's close. Again, we're trying to remain realistic up here. That's our goal. I I want if if you're going young, I want an offensive minded coach because if I don't know if they're going to retain Gus Bradley, you would assume that the head coach would get to pick. You're such a Lafleur McDaniel McVay guy, aren't you, Jimmy Cook? Well, they just. I'm not saying you have to go young, (laughs) but I want an offensive mind. The organization 17 points a game last year. I want an offensive mind leading the team. The organization just came out and said they built a quarterback franchise. What are you going to do? Bring a quarterback in here and play running game? Right. You're going to try to get a great quarterback to come in and run this franchise. We're going to run the ball because we got a defensive-minded head coach. No, that's I am agreeing with you, Cook. Cookster Pollard in the, hey, uh, not likely that they feel like, again, the Denver Broncos first year defensive coordinator will end up here. He's going to interview in multiple spots. Nice story. Born in England, raised in California. He's cut his teeth. Uh, Again, 14 years of experience. He, He somehow kept the Broncos defense playing top five football. It was really a similar story. The offense couldn't do anything. You weren't going to win your division. It was very clear midway through the season. They couldn't bench Russell Wilson, unlike Matt Ryan, due to the contract they had just handled Wilson. You break up with the coach. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, I believe the fourth first-year head coach, let go before the completion of uh, his first season. Luke Holtz was on that list with the Jets, which I had forgotten about. Um, but something is to be said about how talented of a motivator this again we're talking about Ijero Ivero is you saw what happened to the Colts defense late mm-hmm. they tailed off and we all nodded our heads because okay this is human nature you know you have no chance of winning with this offense when things go bad Chris Ballard called it out specifically on Tuesday the competitive uh I forget the the second part of the word he used there but basically, when things got tough during games, this team folded, and that just drove him up a wall. He couldn't figure out, all right, we may be struggling. Why Why has that been the issue? We'll continue to monitor the interview cycle. Offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, Jimmy Cook. This is a name out of Detroit. Young, first-year offensive coordinator, kind of same deal. 
was down with the Dolphins for a little bit. He's been with the Lions. Uh, on the up and up, on the offensive end of the ball, he's going to interview on Friday. Scott Pollard, IU mm. basketball. Oh, boy. It looked like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson were out there with Penn State last <laughs> night. Uh, you now know who Seth Lundy and Andrew Funk are. Each of them went 7 of 12 apiece from three. Funk. Pollard, they were rising and firing with no hesitation. Penn State looked like a team that was told pregame, hey, you're going to be in the Elite Eight. And IU looked like a team that was told, guess what, guys? Uh, this The walls are caving in sooner than you would have ever expected with Trace Jackson Davis coming back for a senior year. They are lost defensively, Scott Pollard. And that the, the lack of effort is an indicator that you've given up. When you're not going to guard your guy, you, you're not worried about repercussions for not guarding your guy because it's either – I know there's nobody behind me on the bench due to injuries or lack of talent. They can't bench me. You can't bench me, so I don't care if I get scored on. James Harden, ole, go ahead, and, <laughs> go ahead and pull up in my face. I don't care. I'm still gonna play. And so it's either that or it's because they they don't respect the coach or the coaching staff or something. They don't care enough to even guard people and make these role players look like role players. And they should have, and they didn't. And that's a consistent theme. And that's a consistent theme of a team that is not obviously living up to expectations, but is no. also not cohesive, doesn't have a good locker room, aren't listening to anybody. Well, we we played in the open. Look, Mike Woodson said the guys are down and they should be. We just got smacked in the face. Jimmy, I would like to hear more from Mike Woodson because the heat is on this second-year head coach. The honeymoon with Mike Woodson is over. IU guy, family, came from the NBA. You know, the resume's there for IU fans. It makes them feel good. He's a big-time name coming in, you know, two years ago. And, and everybody's asking me, like, what kind of coach was he in the NBA? Not that great. I, he didn't drag teams to the playoffs year in and year out. So The Knicks team with Mello and JR, you know, look, I grew up a Knicks fan. That team brought us a, a significant amount of joy. They won a playoff series. I want to look at it this way, Scott. He has two starters out. Yeah. How much slack should Mike Woodson be cut right now? Because he has to go out and say it. Look, two of my top five guys who, in terms of this lineup we're playing together right now, they've never played together. We're trying to figure it out on the fly. They're now 0-3 in Big Ten play without those two. It really hasn't been close on the defensive end. It's been, it's been, it's been hideous defensively. And that's Should the, you cut him slack or no? What because the, the injuries are going to save his job. That's oh, my opinion. I, come on, it's two. It's year two. This year they, he's not getting. There's fired. no. Uh, he's not getting fired this year. They're not going to ask him to walk. Let's this not year waste our time. No, because of that alone, that's easy to say. Hey, listen, we we know that you were dealt a bad hand with the injuries, and some of the players that were supposed to be big time studs haven't become big time studs. So you know that's going to save his job. So we're not talking that. But has the team given up on him possibly it looks like it when you don't play defense you don't listen to your coach if you if you want to impress your coach you're doing everything you can to make sure that you're playing guarding your man and as a team guarding your 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 team uh, the the other team taking them out of things giving effort and when you're not giving effort you the coach has lost the team that's that's an indication so why has he lost the team? Is it that they're down just because, well, these injuries gives us an excuse to not play hard? Well, then the coach has to motivate you to play hard, even though it's a different team 
uh, that's on the floor now than was expected. That's the coach's job is to keep them focused, keep them playing hard, mm-hmm. even when the chips are down. Now you're playing down to the level of the Penn States of the world. That's that's an indicator that you've you've lost the locker room as a coach, and they're not trying hard for you. So it's up to Woody now to do some off-the-court magic and get his team back on board with him. He's got to go take them bowling or something. <laughs> He's got to go have some fun with these guys and get them back on his team because on his, on his – we need a bowling alley in Bloomington to, right? to make place that call and save the season. Like, have some fun because they are not having fun, and they're not going to start having fun unless they start buying back into what he's telling them. You point out really the most concerning part of this whole story. You've lost to Iowa, Northwestern, and Penn State. Okay, Micah Shrewsbury's Penn State's team, much better. That team last night looked pretty darn good. I mean – you lost to a team that shot the lights out. They hit 18 threes that tied the program record. You have a kid in funk transfer from Bucknell season high Lundy also a season high. I think if IU even plays a little better, you're probably still not winning that game. You're down 11 at half. You trail by as many as I believe 23. Um, this doesn't get any easier now. Wisconsin comes to Assembly Hall Saturday afternoon. IU fans, if you care about this program, you will make that the most hostile environment in college basketball Saturday because they need they need something, Scott. Because it's, you're right, there's there's nothing there. Competitiveness, Woodson can say that. Uh, you know that to me translates that covers the fact that this team isn't that good. Well, that, I, we talked about that yesterday. I know I I knew that first time I saw them play when they were still like nine and one or whatever. They were basically undefeated, and I watched them play. And I was like, oh, they're not they're not very good. They're going to go to Kansas and get smacked. And all the locals were saying, well, no, they're going to go in there. They're really good. They blah blah blah. And I was like, Mm-mm. and Kansas just exposed them. They exposed how bad they are. And uh, injuries aside, they were not good before that. They were not cohesive. They were not a very uh, cohesive unit offensively or defensively. It's just that they were playing soft targets at the beginning of the year and came in with the swagger. Now they've lost it. They've lost players to injury, of course, but they've lost the swagger Yeah, and they've lost respect for whatever, whether it's each other or their coaching staff, because when you don't, when you go out there and lay an egg like that at three days, three games in a row, the, yeah. you don't care. Taking the first half of Iowa out of the equation, this has now been five consecutive halves of basketball with really nothing to show for defensively. 85-66 IU falls at Penn State, the Nittany Lions' largest win in program history over the Hoosiers. Wisconsin comes to Assembly Hall Saturday. Then you go see the Illini in Champaign before Tom Izzo walks into Assembly Hall. This first five-game stretch was supposed to be a nice runway for IU to remind all of us that, no, the preseason hype, it wasn't overdone this year. This is a contender in the Big Ten. Instead, they are 1-4. If Minnesota beats Ohio State tonight, IU will be tied for last place through five games in the Big Ten. Still a long way to go. It was a team that struggled last year and found a way to get it together late. I think... It's very easy right now to point blame and to say how awful things are. We're trying to find some solutions about why this team can play a little better. Jeff Rabjohns is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll continue that conversation. We're looking across the NFL. Scott Pollard, Derek Carr penning his goodbye to Vegas. He's done with the Raiders. 
Scott Pollard, this time one year ago, again, Charlie Clifford, Jimmy Cook alongside Scott Pollard today on the fan. This time one year ago, Derek Carr would have been the answer in Indianapolis. I truly believe he would have ended up a Colt had the environment been this way. But the Raiders hired a decent interim head coach, galvanized the season, turned it around, and Carr got a bonus year. It didn't work out. Where do you think he goes? Uh, not here, not to the Colts. No, uh, and zero percent chance. I I don't know because I I I guarantee you there's a GM somewhere that's like I will take Derek Carr in a heartbeat. We'll 100%. give up something. He is great. The problem with Derek's career is it's it's always centered around the head coach at the time. When it was this coach, it was inconsistent. When it was Gruden, it was his best numbers. Mm-hmm. But he complained about not being free. And it was always running Gruden's offense, and he didn't have a whole lot of freedom out there. Mm-hmm. But it was his best numbers of his whole career. And then Gruden's gone. Interim coach did great last year. Then he's got Josh McMutz's name. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a Raiders fan, and I'm not happy with that hire. I don't think they should have hired Josh McMutz's name. Uh, and he's he was terrible all year. Like, there were flashes of his old brilliant self, but – he is so inconsistent. He's so Jekyll and Hyde. When he's good, he is incredible. But when he is bad, he is the worst quarterback in the NFL, which is still amazing because he's an NFL quarterback. But when you're trying to win <laughs> football games, not so great. Um, so there's going to be somebody that's like, I can take the good sure. parts of Derek Carr and make it Fix all him. the time. Yep. Because with a, with a structured system, obviously he has flourished during his career. When they give him too much freedom, he starts praying. And that's a problem. You can't, you can't throw the ball and pray when you're an NFL quarterback. And he tends to throw the ball and pray a lot. And so um, you can't do that. So I I don't know where he's going to end up. Probably not a big market because the big markets – I mean, he, I would say it would be more realistic to see him in Green Bay. Well, a lot of things would have to change. Uh, you're saying would that be a Rodgers car swap with – I just think, a ton of picks going to Green Bay. Yeah, something. But I, I just don't think Rodgers is going to be a Packer next year. So hmm. they're going to do something to get to get him out of there. And what else to do besides what the Colts have tried to do the last couple of years, which is get another veteran quarterback in there so there's not a whole fall off from Aaron Rodgers to a rookie. You are leading to where I believe Derek Carr will end up next year. That answer is next on the fan. Jeff Rabjohns joins us. He had some travel issues trying to get out to Penn State, the wild world of Rabby. We have an update after the break and what can fix Mike Woodson's basketball team. We're going to want your thoughts on that this afternoon as well on the fan. Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook, we return after this. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey, we're back. Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook, Jeff Rabjohns joins us momentarily. Uh, Todd Meyer coming out of uh, a very busy afternoon here at the Fan uh, I just saw he, he he passed along this fantastic re-entry in terms of we've got the funk last night. One more time, Jimmy. Let's give it its due. This is what was apparently probably playing at every Penn State bar last night, Scott Pollard. <laughs> Post-game celebrations. We brought the funk. 
Andrew Funk, 23 points, 7 of 12 from 3. He was at Bucknell for four years. And Sniper. After last night, it looks like he's going to be playing on the Warriors next year. 7 to 12 from 3. Uh, shout out Todd Meyer. I believe he made the Bonnaroo lineup for his <laughs> DJ abilities. So if, if you're going to buy a pre-sale to Bonnaroo, uh, saw Foo Fighters is back, which is freaking awesome. Scott Pollard, I think Derek Carr, to continue our conversation before Rabbi joins us here momentarily, I think he's going to the Washington Commanders. Wow. I think this is the perfect situation for Derek Carr. I don't think he would... Farewell in the New York media market, considering if you lose two games to start the season, he's going to probably be under more heat than he ever was in Vegas. I don't buy the Aaron Rodgers, you know, mega deal reuniting with Devontae. I think that's interesting. A lot would have to happen for that to go down. I think something that's a little more easy, a franchise that needs stability, that wants a good guy to be the face of what has been the most poorly run and you know obviously who knows how this entire investigation is going to shake out who's going to be owning the team at this time next year and they well, kind of feel like mention, the tr- they're the ones that leaked the emails about Gruden I know so well, what a well, betrayal he said he always loved Gruden so what a betrayal well, if he goes the, and signs with the commanders doesn't it feel similar to what the Colts were in last year okay Wentz would be the equivalent of Philip Rivers and now you're you're trying to go get, or no, actually no. Wentz is Wentz, and now your Matt Ryan is Derek Carr yeah. to try to bring in a little vet. You had a nice little run. Doesn't look like Ron Revere is going anywhere. You just fire your OC, kind of let Derek decide who get him in on that hire for OC. Feels like this trade could happen quick. I mean, he's out there. You want to get that market while it's hot? No. Yeah, he announced it today. Yeah, the Raiders are the. The best thing they could do is make a deal quickly because their fan base, and I know them. <laughs> I don't know the Hoosier fan base as well as I know the Raider fan base. The Raiders fan base is like, peace, Derek. Yeah. Half of them love him and are like, eh, we totally screwed him over or whatever. But the other half are like, it's been time. It's been time for a while, and it's time to part ways. Good luck to Derek. He's a great guy. Sure. Uh, nobody hates him. It's just it didn't doesn't fit. After a while in pro sports, it either fits or it doesn't fit anymore, mm-hmm. and he doesn't fit anymore. It doesn't work. And so I know all the fans are, are ready for a new quarterback, whoever it is, but just not Derek Carr. Scott Pollard with his take on Derek Carr. will continue to monitor that situation. Joining us right now on the guest line brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers. TheMowerShop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial, and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Jeff JeffRabJohnsPigs.com. Rabbi, thanks for coming back on. We spoke to you last ahead of the Hoosiers' trip to Iowa. Nothing has gone right since that road trip. Mike Woodson returns to Bloomington. Wisconsin comes in Saturday afternoon. Everyone has an opinion about why this will continue to go south. Where should there be a bit of optimism for a potential turnaround for Mike Woodson? How can he get things right and in a hurry, Rabbi? Uh, right and in a hurry? Is that what you said? Yes. You, you said right and in a hurry. I'm not making sure. You're saying that's you not even feasible at this point. That's what I'm taking from this. Well, I'm. I, that's. I mean, uh, let, 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 let's start with where things are, man. I mean, there are real questions at this point. Okay. Yeah. You know, in Indiana, this is a team that was number ten in the country on November 28th, a trendy pick to win the Big Ten, and they're now next to last in the 14-team Big Ten 
with losses to Rutgers, got manhandled. Iowa blew a 21-point lead. Northwestern fell, got behind by 17 at home. And Penn State absolutely got dog-walked last night. Michael Shrewsbury destroyed them Brutal. with his three-point shooting. So, I mean, they, they had a multitude of problems. And... Yeah, they got Ray Thompson out. Yeah, they got Xavier Johnson out. That does not explain god awful defense. And that that defensive performance last night was just absolutely ridiculous. They gave up the school record eighteen threes, and the, the school record for Penn State, by the way, the, the the they tied last night against Indiana. Yeah, they said against mighty mighty Winthrop. Okay, so, <laughs> the big let, South let, bad boys. A little content context <laughs> yeah. here. Um, you know, Indiana's defensive efficiency against top one hundred competition which is a general metric nowadays for kind of like, you know, basically good teams. Top <laughs> right. College basketball. Teams that may be around yeah. in March. Yeah. Indiana ranks 181st. 181st. So all the defensive improvement they made last year, you know, it has it not shown up this year. And, yeah, racing Xavier out. But, again, that doesn't explain basic things. I mean, there, there was a point last, last night where Indiana, uh, Penn State's got – the ball on the wing, they got a shooter up top and a shooter opposite. And the guy on the wing starts to dribble toward the lane, and Indiana brings double team. The guy who was dribbling the ball had taken a grand total of four shots inside the arc all season. Okay. All season. Not per game. All season. <laughs> you, you got a three-point shooter to put the ball on the deck going toward your shot blocker, and Trace Jackson Davis is one of the better shot blockers in the country. You did your job on defense. You made a guy who's a good yeah. three-point shooter. Don't help. Start to start to take a take a two, which he's not good at. It's probably going to be a contested two against a legit shot blocker. And then all of a sudden you bring help and you leave a three point shooter wide open. I mean, Trevor Andershock did a great breakdown of it. It's up on Peace.com. We made it free for everybody. You know, it's got screenshots of like I use help to the nail, and the nail is a term for basically free throw line area. Right. Basically, it's called the nail because back in the day when you actually had boards and you had to hammer them in, that was a nail there. Yeah, okay? you go find the nail. That's oh. where you line up your right, right. foot. Yeah. That's how they painted the circle. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um. But, yeah, so, I mean, the scheme didn't make any sense. And then Indiana gives up – Penn State's making 10.7 threes per game. Penn State makes nine in the first half. You think, okay, Indiana's going to go again and regroup, scrap all this helping, scrap all this pinching on the post. Didn't happen. No, 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 no. Penn State comes back and makes another nine threes. And there was, there was another sequence where Indiana kept bringing double teams down. They were double, double teaming Keba. Kevin's averaging 4.5 points per game. I think Trace Jackson Davis can handle him by himself. You know, it was just, it, it made no sense. I, you know, and, and it happened through, you know, eight TV timeouts through a halftime, and you just look at it and you go, this doesn't make any sense. So they definitely have defensive issues, you know. Um, they are having some struggles scoring as well, but I think the defense is front burner. You know, in their last five games against Power 5 opponents, they've given up 89, 84, 91, 84, and 85 points. And one of those terrible scores was against a Northwestern team that was average in high 60s. So Indiana's got a lot that they have to figure out on defense right now. Jeff, uh, Charlie mentioned that towards the end of last season, they kind of brought it together and had a strong finish. 
Do you think that's even possible with this team? I mean, let's say the injuries don't happen. Maybe they're in a different situation, but this this current stretch of play doesn't have anything to do with injuries. This has to do with mindset and, and whether it's the coach's issues or the player's issues. Somebody's not got the right mindset, and it's all of them. Uh, do you think that there's a, a like a coaching style that Wood, Woodson has? It's like, you know what, he's going to turn the corner with this group, and he's going to get them on the same page. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think that is the question. Um, you know, because when, when, you know, they're sitting there after they beat Carolina on November 30th and, and they're seven or no, and they got two really good wins. You know, they beat Xavier at Xavier. Xavier's now ranked in the top 20. That was a good win. Beat Carolina. Carolina's a little down. You still beat Carolina. Good win. They go out to Rutgers and just get, I mean, they just get manhandled. Okay. Did, was that a physical battle you weren't ready for? Whatever. Let's see what's next. Those Arizona and Kansas don't really play well in either one of them. Um, but Arizona and Kansas both, you look at and you go, eh, Final Four contender probably. Whether they get there or not, who knows. So it's kind of like, eh, kind of see. But these last three, Iowa, Northwestern, Penn State, you look at IU's roster, even with the injuries, you look at the rosters for Iowa, Northwestern, and Penn State, Indiana should have won at least a couple of those games. No question. Absolutely should have beaten Northwestern home. No question they should have beaten Northwestern home. And when you're up 21 against Iowa, you know, play good defense, play smart offense. Don't turn it over. Jack, well, And don't jack up quick twos early in the shot clock. That doesn't make any sense. You know, that goes against every analytic that's been out there for 15 years. So, I don't know. I think they're questioned. You know, they're, they're going to have to make some adjustments. Uh, they really are. And, and then some real adjustments. Um, I, I don't know that their offense um, being so dependent on Trace Jackson Davis, who obviously is playing through some pretty significant back pain. Um, he'll probably never admit it um, because he just doesn't make excuses. Uh, hell, he may he may yell at me for saying it on the radio. I don't know, but I no, know it's he been obvious. Significant back pain. And, and Jeff, he's played uh, he's played 111 out of the last 120 minutes. You're 0 three yeah. with nothing to show for in those games. Your thoughts on how? This situation's been managed. It's still early January. If Trace Jackson Davis is somewhat, for some reason, sidelined for a significant amount of time, then the season officially is over. How do you think oh, this yeah. situation's been handled these past three games, knowing that we heard it from Mike Woodson? He didn't do anything contact related over the 13 day break over the holidays. Of course, yeah. Trace Jackson Davis isn't going to sub himself out, but. How do you view that? Just the fact that he's remained on the floor to this extent. Yeah, I mean, if it's not risk, if there's no risk of actual injury, then it, then it's a little bit up to the player. Can he play? Right. You know, it's that old thing: Are you injured or are you hurt? Right. And if, and if, if, if there's no risk of injury, this is a guy basically bringing a warrior mentality, which he is. I had a had a uh, an assistant coach who has played against IU recently text me and say, that guy is one bad bleep. Yep. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, you have no idea how much pain he's playing through. He's like, if my kids were half that tough, I'd be unbeaten right now. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think, you know, if the kids, if the kid can play, you let him play. You know, you obviously listen to Tim Garl and Dr. Rink as far as, is this okay? But if it's okay, you let him play. Um, but, you know, as far as where things are right now, 
I mean, we're a quarter of the way through the Big Ten seasons. You kind of look at it like, you know, if the Big Ten season was a 12-round heavyweight fight, right. the first three rounds are complete, and Indiana got knocked on the canvas several times. Indiana's going to have to figure out how to, how to, how to counterpunch. They're going to have to figure out offensively, it can't be so heavily dependent upon Trace post-scoring. It can't be so heavily dependent upon Jalen Hood-Jafino making plays, even though he's, he's had some terrific games, you know, First IU freshman, or only IU freshman, other than Eric Gordon or Romeo Langford, to NBA lottery picks, you know, to score 20 more points his first Big Ten game, had a 33-point game. You know, it wasn't great last night. He's not overall, the problem. He's, really he's well not the problem. Pro. Yeah. But you got, you've got to figure out ways to get points from other guys. Um, you've got to get Tamar Bates going. Um, you got to find some way to get Miller Cop going if you're going to start him. I mean, you know, Miller Cops, he's a better defender than a lot of people give himself credit for, give, give him credit for, but he's not, a, he's not really an impact defender. But if he's not out there making threes, you kind of look at it and go, what's he doing out there offensively? Right. You got to find something from him. You got to find something from Bates. You got double figures from Galloway last night, and that's probably, you know, w- what you hope for from him. But you got to get some other guys going. And if you're really going to struggle to score, um, and I know they got 83 against Northwestern. I know they got 89 against Iowa. But, you know, everybody got excited. They scored 89 at Iowa. Well, you know, Eastern Illinois scored 93. <laughs> right. And that Northwestern sure. score was be. Northwestern score is inflated because of that run in the final minute yeah. 10. And Northwestern was up 17. That was cosmetically yeah. close at the end. Indiana is not. Indiana is scoring because either Trace Jackson Davis or Jalen Hutchfino makes a number of impressive individual plays. Indiana needs more points from scheme more than just players going out and making plays. That's what Indiana needs on offense right now. It's a two-man team. It's tough to win in the MAC with a two-man team, Scott. Yeah, not to belabor the point, but you know Charlie mentioned how many many minutes this guy's playing. Trace Jackson. Take him off the court once in a while. Otherwise, you're whipping this horse into the ground. He's tough, yeah, but tough sure. doesn't mean that he's going to be healthy at the end of the season. You keep playing him 38 minutes a game. Uh, and the, the only way that other players are going to score or get the idea they're going to have a chance to score is if you take that guy out of the game and give other players a chance to try to work on an offense without their main guy in, in the lineup. Absolutely, and that's kind of what you hope – you know, if, if you're an Indiana fan, that's where you hope Malik Renault, the the freshman, comes into play. Obviously, he was very good when they played Xavier, and you kind of looked at it and went, "Okay, maybe he's going to be ready a little earlier than expected." But well, you got to you know, give those guys good. a chance so you can develop them. You got freshmen that aren't playing right. at all. You got to give them a chance, and the only way to do that is to take your main guy out of the court. Fellas, Mike not Woodson, now, when if Mike Woodson maybe in a one month's time, that very well may be the conversation. Unless you think turn things around, Rabbi, quickly if you could forecast Wisconsin's visit Saturday afternoon. We said it earlier. If IU fans don't make that the toughest venue to play in Saturday, uh, it seems like this is pretty far fetched to think that IU's going to fix things against Greg Gard's team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously. Chucky Hepper is playing really well at guard. Um, they've got their their, their prototypical uh, post players who are just very fundamentally sound, very crafty. They do a great job of going inside and, and contacting you so that they can spin quickly left or right. They're not trying to overpower people. They're trying to make really quick, really precise moves, which they're good at. You know, Connor Siegen, uh, Indiana All-Star up there, only a freshman. Um, you know, he's starting to shoot really well from three. 
And, you know, Wisconsin plays the same way Wisconsin has always played. <laughs> they're, 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 they're going to be really, really smart with what they do on offense. And defensively, they defend the post. They defend the arc. They try to bait opponents into taking long twos. And that was a trap that Indiana fell into. Um, you know, when they blew that big lead at Wisconsin, oh, we're up big. Oh, look, we're getting these 18-footers. Wisconsin was basically over there going, yes, thank you. Take more 18-footers. You're open. Keep taking more. Keep taking more. And, you know, long twos, worst shots in basketball. IU just kept taking them. So you got to be smart and don't fall into the trap of, you know, people. So some teams, I've even heard some players say afterwards, well, you know, we were taking the shots they were open. No kidding. Yeah, really? that, that was Why by design. That was by design. <laughs> that's, that's what Bo Ryan wants you to think. You know, I mean, Bo Ryan probably read those quotes and went, hot dog, we got him, you know. <laughs> Jeff Rabjohns, close with this. What the heck happened to you at LaGuardia Airport last night? Please give us the quick spark notes. Oh my gosh! So FAA, you know, had the all every everything was delayed yesterday morning. So I'm getting ready to leave. It was Indy to LaGuardia to to State College. So before I even get on the plane, I asked the lady, the Delta lady. No offense to Delta, it was everybody airline. Yeah. Is are are the connections there? Yes, we've just checked. Are you 100? percent Because I'm going to cover a basketball game, not to see family. If I don't get there, there's no <laughs> point in getting on this plane. They, ain't, I can't call Penn State and be like, hey, you know what? I can't get there tomorrow. Move again. Uh, yeah. I promise you, so I get to LaGuardia and it's like, all flights to college canceled. Oh, dear. Like, okay, if I'm talking, talking to the desk agent, is there anything you can do? Buddy, all, you know, typical New Yorker, you know, just your buddy, all flights are canceled. Well, you know, I'm trying to get their buddy, all flights are canceled. Next in line, please. Okay, I'm done. So, watched the game in the hotel, hopped on Zoom for interviews, uh, managed to find a morning flight, got back. But, uh, yeah, so I hung out in LaGuardia last night. Bye. Oh, dear, Reb. Well, look, welcome back. Looking forward to reading your reaction Saturday. Wisconsin 3-1 and over its past four visits to Assembly Hall, IU. If Ohio State loses to Minnesota tonight, Minnesota and IU will be in the basement, tied at 1-4 and in Big Ten play. Just a turbulent start to Mike Woodson's second season back home. Rabbi, appreciate you as always. Please go read him at peaks.com. Have a great day, man. All right. Take care. You guys have a good day. Bye. Nope. No quick answers for IU basketball. Again, we're trying to figure out everyone's yelling. Everyone's very upset down in Bloomington. Where can you make strides? And with two starters that aren't coming back anytime soon, it appears that's that's a question that no one has an answer to right now. Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook, Mark Boyle joining us at the top of the hour. Pacers, Knicks, shorthanded Pacers team against the Knicks squad with all its studs last night. This game got very interesting late. We'll get the full story from Boyle at the Garden. Plus, we'll see, is there any injury update yet on Tyrese Halliburton? Those stories next on The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Big Ten is looking for a new commissioner, and Scott Pollard is readying his resume. References are updated, and... Uh, is it Jason Williams first, or is Hito Turkoglu your main international reference? What's your main domestic and international top reference? Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook. <laughs> if Scott Pollard's applying for Kevin Warren's job, he just accepted the president and CEO role with the Bears. He won't have to move. He lives in Chicago. 
Scott, what's your resume look like? Well, I know a lot of people from around the world. Hito Turkoglu, though, I don't know if you know this, but he's he's like second to the president. I did know that. He is he's powerful a big man. deal in Turkey. Uh, probably wouldn't leave the country at this point <laughs> because of that. <laughs> because there's you know there's some tension around the world with Turkey and their yes. policies. So, um, but no, Hito, I would definitely call him up and say, hey man, can I put put your name on my resume? <laughs> Stay there. I don't want to come take a picture with you, uh, just in case. You never know. Um, but uh, that, make a call. That's a joke, everybody. That's just me <laughs> joking about my old teammate. Um, but it, it, in in this country, I think Vlade's still here, even though he's got an international presence. Yeah, uh, he's got an American presence as well. Like Chicago. Speaking of Chicago, that's the largest contingent of Serbians outside of Serbia. I knew it growing up. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Love the Serbs. I, I would probably, knowing if I'm going to move to Chicago, uh, to, to, or if I had to, um, I, I would stick with the, the, the international connection that is also an American connection. It will be a highly sought after seat. The Big Ten with its new broadcast deal, things are going to look completely different for the conference. You're aware, USC, UCLA, they're coming over. Probably <laughs> more down the line as Scott... <laughs> does his evil chuckle of God? I hate everything about. I, I knew the super this. conferences were coming. Yeah. Like no, nobody. This isn't a surprise. The super conferences are coming. Um, the the problem I have is is the hubris of the Pac-12 thinking that there was no way USC and UCLA were going to leave, and now they're the two screwed. crown jewels. They are screwed. That is now the the not getting invited to the tournament league none of them they're going to fall off and i feel terrible because one of my good dear friends and college teammate jared Hass is the head coach of stanford stanford men's basketball wow Uh, that's gonna hurt when he's not how do you recruit california when you're the only california school that plays in california I mean, wow, that's that's going to be rough. Because, Things have changed. Yeah, this, they're like, oh, yeah, that's a big market out here in San Jose. <laughs> I mean, that's the kids are going <laughs> there because they're smart anyway. Everywhere. Yeah, They're smart in enough Cali. to know if they're able to go to Stanford as a basketball player, any athlete, any student that's yeah. able to go to Stanford, they're smart enough to know I'm probably going to get some more NIL money if I'm going downtown to USC and UCLA and get to go play in the Big Ten and not have to play in the Mountain West Athletic Pac-12 that's now going to be like the Pac-6 and may dissolve. We don't know. Scott, it's going to be just the memes are going to be fantastic. The first Rutgers-UCLA matchup, the first USC-Penn State visit. Uh, it, it's <laughs> coast be- to coast. I mean, people are making fun of college. You know, NIL made it up into a pro league. No, it didn't. The conference restructuring did that. Yes, the the TV dollars that are commanding everything and every decision, and mm-hmm. certainly uh, that will be part of Kevin Warren's legacy at the Big Ten. He structured the most lucrative deal for the conference and opened the door to what is now two proud West Coast programs heading to the Midwest. We'll be back on the fan. Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook, Mark Boyle joins us. What was the atmosphere like at the Garden last night? What's ahead for the Pacers? Potentially without the services of Tyrese Halliburton as we continue to wait injury news. He left with a sore left knee. We'll see if Boyle has an update for us after the break. Indy, what's going on? It's 1 o'clock. Charlie Clifford, Wish TV, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook, Pacers, Knicks last night. 
Pacers made the late 90s teams proud down a couple key pieces, specifically in that fourth quarter, trailed by as many as 25, cut it to two. You had everything you were looking for in terms of Rick Carlisle, effort, energy, in a tough environment against the Knicks with its big three on the floor, and you nearly stole one. That's where we bring in Mark Boyle. The guest line brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers, themowershop.com, all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Mark, we kind of have two stories leaving Madison Square Garden last night. A, this this huge comeback in the second half, but B, and most importantly, the health of Tyrese Halliburton. Pacers don't practice today. Have you learned anything that you can share on the Halliburton situation? Off topic, let me ask you this. Yes. I heard you do it. I've heard countless guys do it. When did we start referring to human beings as pieces? (laughs) (laughs) Mark, not all of us are as elegant and as free-flowing as you on a nightly basis on the play-by-play route, so I'm here for all criticism and critiques, and I have now jotted that down. That's a fair question. I have no answer for you. No, it's not a it's not a criticism, and you're not the only one to do it. But I'm just perplexed. <laughs> this I, isn't chess. Not, this isn't I can chess, answer Charlie. that. I can answer that. I, the, the it's the mentality of people talking about it because we, as professional athletes, do get traded around like a piece to a puzzle mm. uh, or a pork belly, as you yes, if you will, from this, coming to America. So uh, it's the game of all when games. you're bought and sold and traded at the whim of a billionaire, <laughs> you do kind of end up being a piece. It takes some human out of the human being. I guess so. That is not the intention. Uh, Yes. I don't I don't have an update for you. There is no practice. They don't consult me. Sure. And I just wait. I just I can tell you what I saw last night in the locker room. Yeah, what um, was that? Tyrese was using a crutch, one crutch, like a cane sort of. Uh, he appeared to be in good spirits. Uh, and I know they're going to do an MRI today. The same with Miles Turner and his back. And then they'll go from there. Uh Rick said after the game Uh, I inferred from Rick's comments after the game that they were reasonably optimistic, and here's why. He said, we'll see about, and I'm paraphrasing, we'll see about the weekend. If they Mm -hmm. were fearsome that it was really serious, then I think they would have already ruled the weekend out. But they hadn't done that. Good. It's just speculation on my part. You know, he might be out for a while. He might not be out at all. Uh, We'll find out soon enough. It was an interesting play. Mark Boyle joining us on the Mower Shop, MowerShop.com. Uh, it looked like two different players stepped on his foot. He walks off. He doesn't have the shoe on. You know, we all know it's a bit awkward if you've ever played hoops and you don't have one shoe on. Back to the the fight that this team put together in the second half, Mark. What came together in crunch time to make this a game late? Well, let me ask you this, and I'll especially be interested in Mr. P's observations yes. because he's been in these positions. Uh, should we be elated about the comeback or annoyed by the horrible performance for the first two and a half quarters? <laughs> you just answered a question with a question, and I heard that's rude when I was in elementary school. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm an inquisitive fellow. Uh, I'll answer that. Um, yeah. Me, I'm mad that we started out that way. You know, if I'm in the locker room at halftime, I'm going, what, what's going on? Guys, we've got to turn it around, turn it around. Yes, we, weren't, we, we had Miles sit out 
we don't know how early they had that warning, uh, but that was unexpected uh, for, for at least the day before. Or there wasn't a plan yeah, to go on that they trip. They found out just him. before the game. So that was a, a shakeup, but you still got everybody else, and you come out and lay an egg in the first half. I, I texted Charlie right away. I was like, well, so much for the rivalry. Uh, but they showed fight in the second half, and then after the game, I'm really mad. I'm even more <laughs> angry because I'm sitting there going, what was that in the first half? So as a teammate, I'm I'm yelling at my teammates saying, hey, guys, we got to come out in the beginning of the game. Regardless of who's suiting up, we are all able to play this game. That's why we're here. You got to come out ready to play. You don't just wade into any NBA game. I don't care if it's January. And speak to that. Because, wait, I know you hate that phrase. Hold on. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. I know you better than that, Mark. Uh, what I was going to say is, I would like you to see if you ha- or I would like to hear if you have any insight on the temperature of the team right now. It's January. Good job, Scott. Rookies are tired. <laughs> uh, pe- people are tired. Everyone's tired. But it's it's that time of year where it's like, what room am I in? What hotel are we at? What time zone? <laughs> All that stuff. Uh, you know. Oh, and by the way, we have a game tonight and tomorrow night in three different time zones. You know, just exaggerating there. But it's that time of year. What is the the team's temperature regarding that? Are the rookies fading, or are we are the young guys? holding their own or what's going on well they seem to be a very energetic group they seem to have plenty of enthusiasm i don't sense that they're tired or weary although how could you not be given the schedule that's all relative Uh, you know this situation last night i think is just one of those things it's become their trademark i'll throw some numbers out at you here the pacers are the lowest scoring team in the entire nba in the first quarter yeah They're the highest-scoring team in the entire NBA in the fourth quarter, and they have won 11 games in which they trailed by 10 or more at one point or another, and that's the most in the league. So it's their M.O. to fall behind and then come back, and why it takes them so long to get started and why they're so uh, exceptional down the stretch, I don't know the answer to those things, but uh, it at the very least makes it interesting. But to answer your question, I don't see any sense of anything other than upbeat positivity they seem to really enjoy one another both on and off the floor Uh, you can tell by the way they play that they like playing with each other they share the ball they move the ball they're running more than they ever have they're using the three more than they ever have and i think that's not only a style of play that's become the norm in the nba but i think scott and i'm curious as to whether you would agree don't you think most players like playing that upbeat three-oriented game Absolutely. And you know, because you were here when I was here as a player, playing for Rick Carlisle in 2003 to 2005 was my least favorite part of my career (laughs) as a direct result of the playbook and and walking it up. And we're going to grind it out. and We're going to grind it out on offense. We're going to grind it out on defense. We're going to shoot with about six to seven seconds left on the clock every possession. We're going to beat teams 80 to 78. And, And that was never my style. I personally, I was always a read and run and react. And people kind of assumed just because of my size and my stature that I was one of those plotting you know centers that like just bring it down and throw it in the post I was always a runner I was a reader and reactor I always ran my from high school all the way through everywhere else in the NBA even except for here and so um, yeah, I think players love this style of basketball because every game is over 100 points now, where it was a rarity in, in the 90s for sure. And then in, in the late 90s and 2000s when I was in the league, um, you know, scoring 137 points was unheard of, 
you know, that was like the Phoenix Suns versus the the Sacramento Kings, maybe once in a while, and the Dallas Mavericks versus the Sacramento Kings. The wild, wild west. You know, but it wasn't happening in the East. And so I, I know the players love this up and down more. I love it because everybody, more players get to score. I and mean, you can see it. I, you know, bench players are scoring double digits on, on the regular. So uh, I know the players enjoy it. Uh, what I want to I ask you, though, a follow-up to that exact sentiment is how is Rick handling that lack of control? Because that was such a, a part of his coaching personality when I played for him. You've hit on something, you've hit on something there that's hardly ever been talked about and I think is so important. Now, the game's about the players, and so the players should be the center of attention. That's, I think, just natural. But you mentioned Rick when you played for him back in the O's. Rick came to the Pacers in the uh, 97-98 season as an assistant with Bird and then came back as the head coach, and that's when you played for him. And then he went to Dallas and had great success. He won a championship. His record speaks for itself. He doesn't need anyone to validate him as a coach. But the thing I've been fascinated about watching him, Scott, you wouldn't believe how adaptable he is and how much he's changed. And I think you probably wouldn't be surprised on a general level because you know he's a bright guy. You oh, know he's genius. inquisitive. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the kind of a guy uh, that is open to self-analysis, uh, but you called him when you coached. He was a control guy. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little story that I think will amuse you because I don't think I told this to Eddie Gill and he was flabbergasted because Eddie played at the same time you did. Yeah. So we hadn't traveled for uh, three years because of COVID. So this year we start traveling and we take our first exhibition trip and the first game is in Charlotte. It's a preseason game, so I go to the shoot around. Now. Tell me if you can imagine the old RC doing this. We get, we get, we get Brace the, yourselves. We get to the, get to the building. Uh, and first of all, the whole environment is different than when you played. There's all kinds of people around now. The, the staffs are very large, and there's uh, people there that didn't even exist when you played. The staffs were much more streamlined. So it's a different environment to begin with. But we get in there, and the players start, you know, how they do at the start of the shoot-around. They're chatting. They're, you know, loosening up a bit. Maybe a few guys are taking some shots. And one of the support people pulls out this big audio thing, which in my day we called a boombox. I don't know what they call it now. (laughs) Turned it on and started playing uh, some hip-hop and some rap at loud volume. Now, can you imagine the old RC allowing that? Wow. No, not at all. Get that out of here. And by the way, you go too. (laughs) That's, That's my point. He's changed. He's adapted. Uh, he is good with this young generation of players. Just watch him during the game. Uh, when Halliburton's in there, when McConnell's in there, he's up. He's engaged, but he's not the, the control guy that he was uh, when you played here. He understands that the game is different. He told me though, that he likes coaching this style of ball better than the old style. Hmm. So he's adapted, and he's a bright guy. He's an inquisitive guy. He's, his record speaks for itself. He's one of the most successful coaches of his generation, and I, his generation. And I think one of the reasons that's the case is because he is so adaptable and flexible now. Yeah, and you said it. He went to Dallas and had some success with some of the greatest players. Some, of, at least our generation. And and he had, one of the greatest finals upsets of all time. Success with yeah. some of the greatest players. Yes. yes. Uh, but he is. Uh, one of my favorite things about him, and, and and while I will honestly say I hated playing for him, 
I really liked him mm-hmm. as a person. I really wanted him to be more flexible and, and use the genius because when he's off, when he was off the court, he was hilarious. He was fun to be around, but he'd walk in the locker room. It was like, he'd put the blinders up and he was just like, well, we're going to grind it out. And he was like a robot. We call him robot Rick sometimes. And so I'm so happy to see, <laughs> cause you can see the joy in the players. You can see how they're enjoying embracing his freedom, uh, offense and giving them the players, the, the control on the floor. But is he, is he gone into any hotel lobby? and play the piano. I, <laughs> I was waiting for that. Well, we haven't, we haven't stayed in a hotel with a piano yet. We don't stay at the Fister anymore. That's uh, where I saw him do it. Uh, we stay at a different place in Milwaukee. Uh, <laughs> but it, wouldn't, it, it would not surprise me if, uh, if the opportunity presented itself, if he did it again. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, I've told this story before, and it's, it's not a secret. It's actually public knowledge until this year. Uh, Pat Boylan and I always did a uh, media day thing on the website where we brought players and coaches in and did live interviews and so forth. And we had Rick on, uh, not this season, but last. And I had read that he had become a licensed pilot. So we're talking to him about it, and I asked him about it, and he said, well, his parents live in upstate New York. It's kind of hard to get to commercially. So he decided uh, to become a licensed pilot, which I thought was pretty cool. And so I said to him, that's uh, really interesting. So what, you took the lessons, and then and, and he also has his own plane. So you took the lessons, and you went out and bought the plane? And I know, Scott, this won't surprise you at all because of the quirkiness <laughs> of RC, but he said, no, no, I bought the plane first because I knew it would give me incentive to take the lessons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no surprise there. <laughs> Mark, not, not at all. Mark Boyle is here with us on the mower shop from Fisher's Hotline. Mark, appreciate this perspective on a coach who's certainly in the conversation uh, of Coach of the Year considering the out-of-the-blue season we're all enjoying. If you're just joining us, there is no injury update on Tyrese Albert and left with a sore left knee, as Mark shared. He was using a one crutch to leave Madison Square Garden last night but appeared to be in good spirits. The hope is with the Hawks coming in Friday night and John Morant in Memphis due in Saturday, hopefully – if it's a couple games, that would be – it sounds like a good deal that many Pacer fans would take at this point after learning that it is a knee issue, not a foot issue. Mark, if there's one X factor for this team from a player perspective, who would that be through the first half of the season? Who who deserves more love than they've received so far for this for this underdog team that's made it work? I don't know that there is one. I think everybody has gotten credit for what they've done. Mm-hmm. Now, there are guys that we didn't necessarily expect to contribute. Who would expect a second-round draft choice to become an immediate, not an immediate starter, but now he's an every-night starter. Yeah, and and uh, so that's a bit of a surprise, perhaps, especially to those of us that don't follow the semi-pro game. I'd never seen him play before he got here. Um uh, but he's gotten credit, I think. Mm-hmm. I think everybody's gotten the appropriate amount of credit. It's just that some guys have been surprisingly successful. You never know what a rookie's going to do. Uh, you have the sixth pick in the draft, and you certainly hope the guy can come in and tri- contribute. But guys have been drafted higher than that who didn't contribute at the level this guy is, and I'm talking now about Matherin. Sure. So uh, they nailed the draft, which was good. And now here's my new theory on trades. Every team <laughs> should want to trade with the Pacers, and here's why. The last two trades they made were both win-win. Yep. The trade with Sacramento was a win for the Pacers, and it was a win for the Kings. And a trade, the trade with Boston was a win for the Pacers, and it was a win for the Celtics. So I think everybody should now 
call the Pacers. <laughs> you know what? What can we do? Can we do business here? You guys are pretty successful traders, and your guys are helping these other teams. That's yeah. pretty cool. Speaking of which, do you have any insight or feelings on whether or not Miles Turner hmm. is maybe going to get traded? Hmm. I have no feelings on that at all. You know, that stuff doesn't interest me. I'm interested in who's here, and that's it. Uh, and even if I went down the office and stopped in and asked Kevin Pritchard, "Hey, what's going on? You're moving miles? <laughs> you think he'd tell me? No, he wouldn't. Just so I'm not going to waste my time. Either. No, I haven't heard anything except for the rumors. And by now, uh, this is one of the differences from the time I came in to now. There were always rumors, always, but they're they're being parceled out now in much more irresponsible fashion uh, with the advent of social media Correct. and Twitter and all of that stuff. Uh, I, I believe it when I see it. Unless somebody really reliable says something. For example, if Adrian Wojnarowski says something, I, I consider that to be a good source. <laughs> well, it gives you know, us something it, to talk about. You know, we got to yeah, fill up the time, Mark. It's well, Charlie and I don't get along. Thing. That's why we call you to come in and talk. Well, Charlie and I just that's, can't stand it. It's been a huge help, Mark. Thank yeah. you. That's <laughs> the other thing. When I, when I worked in New York at WFAN, we were the only all-sports radio station in the country. <laughs> We were the first one. And so we had to fill 24 hours, but nobody else did. And so there was no need for this hyper sensitivity in terms of, man, if I don't throw something out there today, then my boss is going to be mad and the people aren't going to listen. And uh, it's it's sort of a chicken and egg thing. I agree. And, and so all of these rumors should be taken with a grain of salt. Uh, I consider Kevin Pritchard and Chad and Kelly in that front office to be very sharp and I assume they're doing this. This is what I would do if I ran a front office. You know how to reach me. I don't care if LeBron James is on my team. Every single one of my guys is available. <laughs> You've got to call and convince me that I'm going to be better off doing business with you. You're foolish if you're not open to trading anyone, and you are stupid if you're opposed to trading players. I think you need to be open-minded. Uh, they're doing very well, so I don't know if that's affected the way they think about trades. I don't know how they were thinking about it to begin with. But, Scott, don't you think that you should be you should be willing to trade every player on your team if you get the right opportunity? Absolutely. And the only reason that we're talking about this is because the last-minute back spasms and the rumors going on at the same time kind of leads you to believe, well, maybe we don't want him on the court to get hurt so that we can't trade him. That's and, the only reason we're talking about And that about brings today. this conversation I, uh, full circle. I can, <laughs> I can tell you this. I can tell you this. I, I spoke to Miles after the game briefly, uh, and I was in the locker room and, and overheard some snippets of conversation. That was a legitimate injury. Do not uh, stress over that. That doesn't mean anything in terms of whether he'll be traded or not. That's a separate issue. But rest assured, that was a legitimate injury. And that brings this full circle because Rick Carlisle opened unprovoked saying apparently Twitter – uh, is, you know, conspiracies <laughs> everywhere. Miles Turner is to be traded because of this last-minute scratch. He won't be traded, and Rick now for a second time has gone out of his way to say, I have no interest in trading Miles Turner. Surely he doesn't. Why Why hamper the progress of this young, exciting team? Mark Boyle, appreciate you. We'll see you Friday night against the Hawks, and then for who, for my money, is the most electrifying player potentially in the backcourt in the NBA right now, John Moran. It will be a fun weekend at the Fieldhouse. We're looking forward to it, Mark. Thank you. My pleasure. Anytime. And is this appearance 
On the radio station, Mr. P, your latest venture, are you interested in becoming a full-time broadcaster <laughs> now? Or, uh, you, were doing the, you were doing the real estate. You know, you, uh, for those that don't know, I've known Scott Pollard for... Um, Too long. When did you come? 2003. 2003. Okay, so that's over 20 years, almost 20 years. And so I've come to know him as a player and away from the game. Uh, very interesting, eclectic guy, quirky one of the reasons we get along is because we're both far outside the norm. And I know you to have interest in a lot of different areas. So what have you to say about this? Are you <laughs> wow. broadcasting? I have, I have to say that uh, I'll be on the air tomorrow. Uh, yeah. And beyond that, uh, there is a, a very big question mark. And I will not negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> Mark well, Boyle. You're talking about management and not me, but thanks. Mark, Mark Boyle, the Adrian Wojnarowski of local journalism <laughs> in Indianapolis. Mark, appreciate you. Have a great off day. Well-deserved. Glad to see the team uh, made it back from Madison Square Garden. Mark Boyle, normal is boring for both you and Mark Boyle. Scott, I, yep. I think we can all agree to that. We have updates in terms of where a potential AFC championship game will be played that decision has been made and it's a city that few of us thought was in consideration or originally that update plus a big change for the big 10 a star quarterback on the move in the national football league and the colts interviews continue those stories next on the fan with scott pollard and charlie clifford Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Mike Woodson fed up with the defensive end of the floor. I use one in four in the Big Ten. We heard from Jeff Rabjohns, Wisconsin, the 18th-ranked team in the country, is coming to Assembly Hall on Saturday. Scott Pollard's here, Charlie Clifford, Jimmy Cook. We're going to check in with a man who knows the Colts coaching candidate who's in interviewing today in Indy very well. That's Vic Lombardi at Denver, uh, Altitude TV. We're going to get to that story momentarily. Scott, we have breaking Indy 500 news. We're going to get to that as well. First, you've learned some things today about IU Hoops after our conversation with Jeff Rabjohns. What's going wrong in the locker room right now? Well, What's going wrong on the bench? Woody accepted the responsibility. It's, it, it is on him. It is on him. When, when your team isn't playing defense, they've quit on each other, and they've probably quit on the coach because they're not worried about repercussions. You know, you, you go out there and let somebody score in your face three, four times, you're getting benched. And so when they're letting that happen and nothing's happening – they're not scared of the coach. They don't respect the coach. You don't have to be scared, but you have to respect them. And they, they clearly don't. So it is up to him. It is up to him to get them, as he said, instead of just hoping somebody misses, you got to go out there and get on the ball, get a hand up, and show some uh, some effort. And when you don't have that effort, there's no one else to blame besides individual players and their motor, which is down, and he admitted that. But then it really comes down to, okay, you're the, you're the head coach. You're the yeah. man. You've got to bring it out of him. You've got to get that back. For whatever reason they've lost it, he's got to be able to figure out a way to get it back, and they're not doing it. This looks like two worlds away from the team that absolutely punched North Carolina in the mouth early in the season, a team that we now know Xavier's a pretty darn good team, went to Cincinnati and beat that squad. Look, 
It looked like Andrew Funk and Seth Lundy last night. Purdue's two sharpshooters were Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. They were both 7-12 apiece, 18 threes, the most in Penn State program history, the biggest win for the Nittany Lions over IU. Wow. Okay. He's at the point. I just want to say one more thing. Yes. I think Woodson's at the point right now where it's like, I hey, start playing some bench guys. Switch it up. It's not working the way you've been doing it. You got to start seeing if one of these these top prospects, uh, the high star guys, uh, are actually good and build some confidence at home. And if nothing else, behind your crowd Saturday, right? Get your crowd with your excited with something new, some some energy guys it's come off thought. the bench. Uh, give your star a little bit of a break instead of playing him thirty eight minutes a game. Back him off so that he doesn't get injured and and get run into the ground. Uh, and give these other kids a chance, if for no other reason. You're not going to win the Big Ten this year, so let's develop the, the younger guys for next year, for the future. You've got a senior that's that's came back for you in Trace Jackson, and you're running him into the ground right now trying to get these wins, and they're not happening. So it's time to start building for the future. I'd get some of these young guys on the court. It's a fair question right now, and this isn't a conversation I think even Purdue fans thought you would be having, but certainly all Boiler Nation is laughing, saying more preseason hype that Bloomington couldn't live up to. We'll continue to monitor that story. Purdue, Nebraska, tomorrow night. Breaking IndyCar news. Kyle Larson is going to run the 2024 Indianapolis 500 with McLaren. Again, not this May, but next May. It sounds like the two parties were originally attempting to get this together for this May, but the one-time Cup Series champ will be here In May of 2024, significant news for the racing world. Kyle Larson is the young talent in the sport, along with Chase Elliott, and the fact that he's done a little dirt track racing here. He's shown interest to Roger Penske and the higher-ups at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IndyCar, and now it is going to happen. But you're going to have to wait a little bit. Congratulations to the organizers at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IndyCar for landing a major story for what will be, what, the 108th running? I'm trying to get my my numbers right there. Kyle Larson coming to the Indy 500. Okay, potential AFC championship game. Scott Pollard, if there's a neutral site, the game is going to be played in Atlanta. That news just came down within the past hour. Atlanta would host the potential AFC win and in situation for the Super Bowl then in Arizona. Indianapolis, it was made very clear after the original story break broke, excuse me, due to some uh, confusion with with some wording. Uh, Look, Indianapolis would have loved to host due to a scheduling conflict. Pete Ward, the Colts, Visit Indy, the Indianapolis Sports Corp. They could not make that weekend work due to a youth volleyball tournament here that was previously booked. They were going to use the space at Lucas Oil Stadium. The hotels were jammed. This is a event that brings tens of thousands to Indianapolis. And because of that, the Colts had to pass on hosting. Uh, it sounds like <laughs> Indy would have been In the hosting running. this. Yeah. yeah. It's a shame. Uh, yeah. But... It, when the decision is made far in advance and that's that is one of those catch 22s with pro sports is uh i know in the nba schedule 
you know, that you go to a, a city and sometimes you don't stay in the nicest hotel. And it's like, why is that? You know, or, or even a really nice hotel, you know, and, and yes, I'm spoiled. Let's get that out of there. But <laughs> you're used to staying in one of the nicest or, or the nicest hotel in most of the cities. And then you, you go to some of the cities that are in your division. Say you're in the Eastern Conference and you're, you're playing for the Pacers and you're going to New Jersey or New York. Uh, they're both in New York now. And it's like, well, why aren't we staying in a nicer hotel? We're staying in a There's other bit. things going on here. And, well, also, they have to promise you playoff hotels. Yeah. And so that's the deal with the NBA. So when it comes to when – when you don't have this – planned in years in advance indianapolis is doing what they do which is hosting tons and tons of sporting events and they unfortunately for this particular situation but not for the city they've already committed Mm -hmm. and good for them for not decommitting for this volleyball tournament because it does bring in lots of money lots of people and lots of families i've been on that travel circuit with the (laughs) volleyball parents and it you you end up having team meals here and the hotels are full and and that's good for the city um it just timing doesn't work out sometimes you, we made a reservation uh the nfl gets gets beaten out by girls volleyball what do you think the worst travel circuit is to be on if you're a parent in youth athletics or anything organized whether that's dance cheer band what would be the bottom of the power rankings i, I i've had kids do a lot of different sports um to me i think it would have to be wrestling or swimming and here's why you're in the gym or the gym or the natatorium all day long waiting for your kid's turn. You, you don't get to just like, oh, they lost, so we're leaving. Like baseball <laughs> tournaments, you lose and you're out. Ba- basketball, you know, those those ones that have multiple heats uh, and multiple events. And I'm not even sure about wrestling. I've just heard. I've never had a parent. I've never been a parent no, of a wrestler. I think you're on something that they, here. That when you have a wrestler and they wrestle in the morning or they they might wrestle three times in one day. You don't leave. That's you're just your sitting there. You're you're there all day. And I had a kid that was a swimmer, and that is all day. And if you're traveling swimming, oof, you're you're in natatoriums in that warm, muggy, moist environment as a parent, not swimming, not in the cool water. I don't see Scott Pollard handling that environment it, very well. It I did for because it was my kid, but I'm yeah. just saying, like of of the all the ones I've experienced, I've heard and and volleyball is similar because you'll you might lose, but then your team has to ref the next game. They have to do the sideline yes. refereeing in those big tournaments. Everybody's so pitching in. You're still there, and <laughs> and you're still watching a game that you're not. Your kid's not even playing in it, and you're watching it because they're refing it, or their team is because there's only a couple players that have to actually ref. But the the coach is like, well, I don't want the team to leave just because four only four of the kids have to ref. Uh, I'm not going to let the rest of you leave. We're all staying. So you all stay and watch a game that your team has to ref, and your kid might not even be one of the refs. And so it's a long day in volleyball, and I would say that swimming, just because of the environment of being in a warm natatorium, because they do keep them warm because the kids get out of the pool and they don't want them to get cold. Yeah. So it's warm and humid, and but you are you don't get to dip your toes in the pool, and you're just kind of sitting there like, yeah, oh, yeah, there, wow. There's no hot tub for the adults with no. you know the the traveling bartender to, to continue this, you know, which that would afternoon. be a great idea. That but, wouldn't be good parenting. Let's not, not implement good, yes. that. That wasn't a good idea. If my good colleague at Wish TV, Phil Sanchez, evening anchor, was here, he wouldn't complain, but he would tell you it takes a special, special group of parents to survive a year-round competitive cheer schedule. He has done that 
Phil, congratulations. You're still with us. Okay, other storylines to get to. The Colts interviews continue this afternoon. Broncos defensive coordinator, Ejero Ivero, 42 years, one year as the play caller for the Broncos defense. They finished as a top five unit. He is interviewing in Indianapolis today. Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, will interview on Friday. In terms of Ivero, look, Probably the name in terms of young, up-and-coming, defensive mind in the National Football League. You know that the Broncos offense, potentially the only other offense on par with the Colts this season. It was that bad. And somehow, this motivator kept that defense playing at a top-five clip. That's a significant accomplishment considering what we saw the Colts defense do late in the year. Johnson, also a young mind on the offensive end. Again, only one year as a coordinator. These two are getting looks. Yesterday it was Bubba Ventrone. Still waiting to hear. Bob Kravitz joined us yesterday. It appears that, no, don't panic. It's not not and it doesn't really mean anything that Jim Harbaugh hasn't met with the Colts just yet. Stay tuned on that story. Kevin Warren is moving to the Bears president and CEO, formerly the president of the Big Ten. And now that position's open. Pretty significant uh, opening there. Again, very early in the game. This report was rumored late last week that Warren was going to be segueing to join the Bears front office. That is now official. That brings us back to the quarterback conversation that will dominate the NFL today, Scott Pollard. That is Derek Carr penning his goodbye to the Raiders. On Twitter. Both sides are (laughs) done with each other. Uh, Derek Carr, as most of you know, pretty stand-up guy, did it in a very classy way. The question now becomes, where does he go? Woody Johnson, owner of the New York Jets, said absolutely his franchise is interested in acquiring a proven veteran quarterback. Um, Derek Carr in the New York media market. I don't know eh. about that one. You can't I pray said, your way out of everything. <laughs> and, and I think Derek Carr is a stand-up guy. He everybody loves him, uh, but the he's gotten away with being able to be in a in a market like Oakland, which gets shadow, overshadowed by San Francisco, and then Vegas, which yeah, they're the only pro team in town besides the Knights, of course, the, the hockey. But mm-hmm. um, you know the only. Uh, it's not a huge media market. It's a, it's a visitor center. There's not a lot of pressure in Vegas from the from the fans because it's such a transient city. Nobody's from Vegas. Very <laughs> few people are from Vegas. Everybody moves there or they visit there and they get out. So it's not a lot of media pressure locally from fans and people going, "Oh man, Derek Carr's the guy." You know, New York is very different. They've been the biggest market in the world for a long time, and the pressure there is exponentially higher. And there's arguably no worse position to be in in sports than the quarterback for the New York Jets historically. Yeah. It has not gone well since 1969, with the exception of Chad Pennington for a few seasons, Mark Sanchez behind one of the best defenses of this millennium under Rex Ryan. Uh, That list kind of ends there. Maybe throwing. A year or two from Vinny Testaverde. Vinny. That's about it. Yeah. So that would be a significant commitment, although the timing feels right. I'm saying commanders. I think this is Wentz part two. The Colts were in a very similar situation last year that the commanders are now. You need a stabilizing force with a team that showed you they're they're decent. There's something there. You have an opening with the offensive coordinator. And from a public relations standpoint, you have no 
concerns about what Derek Carr is going to say? What is he going to do to potentially further tarnish the reputation of what's been the franchise Martin controversy for the for all year? And that's not going to change whoever the quarterback is. You're saying, though, maybe Packers. I'm, a I'm swap not saying with Rodgers. But, but, but I'm sitting there thinking for the Packers base, the fan base, their team is really good. And if mm. they are, they're good. I think they I think they played their way out of the playoffs. I think they were a playoff team. Well, uh, with winning in at home against Detroit, you everyone in right. Wisconsin so, would but, agree. But is that because they're a terrible team or they just fell apart? The wheels fell off the bus. I think they're good enough to be a playoff team. And I also know the Packers fan base is tired of Rodgers. I think Rodgers is tired of the Packers. And that's the only thing that made me think, you know what? As opposed to taking a step back and rebuilding – like the Colts are probably going to end up doing with a young quarterback from a draft correct? or some some other free agent move with a young quarterback. Maybe they try to bring in a veteran and say, hey, you know, if we got Derek Carr, it's not Aaron Rodgers, uh, but at least it's somebody that our fan base will accept and that can still keep them hopefully in playoff contention as opposed to rebuilding for a couple years. That would then open the door for Jordan Love to say, hey, well, get me the heck out of here. I've been waiting four seasons the whole – game plan to this point was hey when 12 is done it's your team he stepped in he's he's shown that he has an arm it's not like he's gone in and and fallen on his face I wonder how quickly this gets done Scott because I would imagine the Raiders have the leverage I'm with you I I, that feels like Jimmy what's your take if they're gonna make a move they have to do it before February 15th if they're trying to trade him at that point his money becomes guaranteed it's 40.4 million guaranteed money which is why they sat in the last two games of the year so their option is either cut him or trade him by that point unless they want that number on their books he also has no trade clause which makes things a little bit difficult Hmm. but compared to other quarterbacks around the league his contract is pretty team friendly it's only a 40 million dollar hit compared to other quarterbacks and they can get out next year if a team trades for him for only a seven million dollar cap it so it's friendly but will they move him in time and will he accept where they send him i don't I think know. when you take to twitter <laughs> yeah. and make it <laughs> yeah. i was just about to say y- you are he gonna said take, he's out of here right. he's gonna take right. it right it depends you know unless it's some bum team that he doesn't absolutely does not want to play sure. for jimmy i appreciate the succinct breakdown though of the financials because often we blow past look this is a salary cap driven league it's gonna have to fit wherever this works and um with Wentz off the books in Washington potentially a swap with Rodgers all that money that would would move places uh, a much more complex deal potentially with the Packers but Scott Pollard he he is courtesy of the black hole they have given Scott Pollard us this week and um look we appreciate your thoughts, first and foremost, you're the one who rides and dies with the Raiders. <laughs> Mostly dies, but <laughs> it's been a rough have you uh, been to that stadium couple decades. Yet? No, I have not. The place is incredible. I really wanted to go for incredible. the last game against the Chefs, but uh, couldn't make it. Got it. Maybe next year. Let's go back quickly to the Colts. Chris Ballard, Tuesday. We continue to learn what is important here this week into next week with the coaching search. Ballard on what he's learned through the breakup with Chuck Pagano, the near uh, hire of Josh McDaniels, of course, four plus seasons with Frank Reich, and now searching for another new head coach in Indianapolis. One, don't start with an end in mind, okay? It's big. 
you know, a lot of times what happens is you get a vision of what you want before you, I mean, like you've made your mind up and then you might ignore somebody that's really freaking good right in front of your face. So we've got a very detailed process put together on the traits and attributes we're looking for in the head coach. Don't care what side of the ball. Um, and then to be patient, take your time and make sure we have a thorough interview with everybody. Consistent, thorough. Um, I don't care if it takes till mid-February to hire the head coach. It's about getting it right. Mid-February. Okay. I don't That's where we stand, Scott Pollard. You know, outside looking in, he should be in more of a hurry than that. <laughs> I, I think that's just giving himself a bit of a buffer here. Again, interviews continuing today. We'll tell you who's up next coming to Indianapolis. Plus, uh, Jeff Saturday, how realistic is this? So many of you have questioned, is this real? Yes, it's real. He's getting a look. That story next on The Fan, Scott Pollard, Charlie Clifford, Jimmy Cook. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. What's going on, everybody? Thursday afternoon, Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook. We have a couple news and notes to pass along. No update yet on Tyrese Halliburton's left knee injury. We heard from Mark Boyle earlier this hour. He shared that Tyrese used a crutch to exit Madison Square Garden last night after the Pacers 119-113 loss to the Knicks. He was injured in the third quarter. It was an awkward kind of landing after his foot was stepped on by a Nick and then by a fellow Pacer teammate. He limped off. His shoe had fallen off in the process time it looked like all right is that a foot is it an ankle we now know it's a knee and the Pacers don't practice today so we may not have further news until tomorrow when the Hawks show up uh Nate McMillan and the Hawks Scott Pollard it has not gone well there uh Trey Young and coach McMillan not seeing eye to eye that's no secret there were reports as recently as last week that leaked out that McMillan was considering potentially resigning from his post due to the turmoil down there. Uh, Trey Young's not going anywhere, and that puts your head coach in a very tough position. As it always does. That worked as an interim role. You remember Lloyd Pierce, who's now Rick Carlisle's number two here, who's done a fantastic job along with Coach Jenny, Ronald Norad, uh, and the rest of the Pacers staff. The marriage of Nate McMillan and Trey Young quickly, did that ever make sense on paper to you? A defensive, hard-nosed guy and one of the most you know, guards that I, I, I think we would all agree appears very interested in scoring the ball, but the defensive end of the floor, not much of a concern for Trey Young. Well, and that's a management issue. You know, you're, you're hiring people based on what's on your roster right now. You hire a guy like Nate McMillan, you got to know they may not mesh because of their different styles of coaching and versus playing. So the the management has to accept the, the responsibility for the turmoil that's going on right now because they created it. Mm-hmm. They could have hired a different coach. It's going to be like, you know what, I'm a point guard coach. I like to see my point guards go and get somebody that's more of that mindset. So, And it's always the case. Players aren't going anywhere. They make more money. They're they're worth more, and it's harder to move a player. So it's easier to fire a head coach. And, and Young's made Atlanta relevant again. Yeah, we joked I mean, about it yesterday. 
just his really... hair. He has the most least hair. It's awesome. <laughs> and so when that's a low blow at a sooner. No, that's a that's a chop. He's 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 a great guy. He's a great player. <laughs> and as a guy that had lots of dumb hairstyles myself, I'm I'm qualified to say that. <clears throat> So anyway, um, you know, it's a shame when, when those kind of things happen, though, but they do because people forget. We talked about pieces earlier yep. on the show, but people forget <laughs> that chemistry is a real thing. Style is a certain thing. And, and when when your players want to do something one way, i.e. the 03 to 05 Pacers wanted to run, uh, and the coach is like, no, 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 we're going to walk it up and we're going to play half-court basketball. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. With, regardless of the um, crazy amount of talent we had on those teams, it didn't work. We got to the playoffs. We got to the Eastern Conference Finals in 03-04, but still, it, it wasn't good enough despite the the talent and the great coach that, that is now Rick Carlisle, but back then a very different style coach. So now we're in Atlanta and we're talking about Nate McMillan trying to, to push a, a round peg, which is Trey Young, yeah. into a square hole. It's not going to happen and Nate will be the one that, that's gone. The Hawks are right around 500 and you'll see them on the floor at Gamebridge Fieldhouse tomorrow night. Memphis comes in Saturday. On the topic of interim head coaches, Jeff Saturday on Monday really took the position of letting his voice, you know, for the first time share what the circumstances were when he took over with eight games to go, nine weeks in the season. He pointed towards, look, the conditions were not the ones that I would move forward with. I mean, cold showers, no towels for the players. <laughs> How do you expect to produce in a major league, you know, the movie environment? Uh, they, their plane broke down. They had to bust them everywhere. No. Uh, the headsets wouldn't work. Uh, <laughs> we were allotted one time out of the game to the other team's three each half. But seriously, he does have a point. He came into a situation with a staff that he didn't pick, which most head coaches, when you get hired – you get to pick all of them, if not all of them. That is you, correct. You might have one or two that's like, oh, you got to keep this high guy. recommendation, right? But you're you're pretty much coming in with your staff, your playing style, your coaching style, and guys that fit around with your personality. The chemistry has to be there too for the staff, not just the players, but the staff has to have that chemistry. And so he did come into a tough situation with with not a whole lot of chance of success, other than just the talent that was on the field, and obviously, as we all know, so. Not making excuses for him because he did not have. Yeah, it kind of sounds like you're making excuses for him. Well, I'm making an excuse that be realistic about where he was, and if you were offered that job, would you say no because I don't have my own staff? No, I'm going in there. I'm going to do my best, which wasn't very good as far as production. But what if he gets a chance to be the head coach and picks his staff and gets to pick out or help influence who the next quarterback's going to be? Would he have a better chance of success in that scenario? I don't think so. This is but the decision possible. Jeff Saturday made, though. He could have told Jim Ursay, wow, I'm blown away. But you know what? If you truly believe in me, if you've had this vision of me being the guy, maybe when I even have, haven't had that vision yet, let's do it this offseason. Plug in an interim head coach, and unless they blow you away, let me now prepare over the final – Weeks of this season into the offseason at very quietly behind the scenes, picking out my staff, really getting an in-depth look and, and having a runway for a chance to get this plane off the ground. That was the decision Jeff Saturday made. He finished one in seven. That would have been and now a it's, more intelligent and now way it's, of going about it. 
And, well, and that's where we're at right you now. You, obviously, you can't just fire the staff in the middle of the season, the whole staff. you got to have some continuity there. So, yeah, interim head coach means just that. And you, in, that's in, why you promote the guy that's already here. And Jeff Saturday's problem will never be getting along with people. No. I think a lot of folks who would have come in from the outside and started to try to change things in the middle of the year, I mean, that I, I didn't see the body language or gather anything that – internally people were just turning on this guy i think he won a lot of people over and that's why he's getting an interview but the one in seven mark for the horseshoe for this franchise for the standard that's going to win out at the end of the day jim ursay is going to have a ton of questions to answer that quite frankly he's never had to answer because is jeff this has been based off winning is jeff being considered because of his relationship with jim ursay because we talked about it yesterday, how Jim has been kind of micromanaging the staff to a certain extent, uh, where Chris Ballard felt so compelled to say, no, Jim says uh, he lets me do my job. And when a GM says that, that's typically because the owner has been telling him what to do. <laughs> and Ballard elaborated on it, said, look, the owners run the teams. They own the teams. They have the final say. That isn't anything different but it's now just to the degree that things are happening here and have happened really since the trade of Carson Wentz that it feels like a bit of an outlier now in the NFL. Obviously, Jerry Jones, for decades, you've seen how that's worked out in the long term in terms of getting the Cowboys back to where Jerry Jones believes they belong. Um, To answer your question, yes, if Jim Irsay told Chris Ballard, hey, thanks for letting me do this Jeff experiment, I admit it, it just didn't come together, I'll thank him, I'll send him on his way, I don't believe that Jeff Saturday would still be a candidate. Right. And uh, that, that's where that's, you're at. That's it, it is a valid talking point because Jeff is still in the conversation. And that me, leads me to believe that when Chris was saying, oh, the owner, you know, he does have his points, but he's letting me do my job. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's keeping Ballard on a tighter leash and thus wants his own guy, which is Jeff Saturday, very clearly, uh, despite what whoever was advising him, which, oh, wait, was Jeff Saturday before he became the head coach. <laughs> and then he's the head coach, interim head coach. And then now it's like, but you know what? We've got an off season here. I'm going to give Jeff Saturday the keys to this franchise as the head coach. I'm going to let him pick his staff. And Ballard, you're going to let him do that because that's what I'm telling you to do. And it gives Jim And that's what happened in the middle of the season. If, in fact, he has decided that he doesn't trust his football people as an owner and he wants to have a bigger voice, what better person to have as your head coach than somebody that was already your out-of-the-blue gave him his dream job higher, and now he's going to give him a real chance to succeed by letting him pick his staff and, and move forward and have him input with the with the quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. That's where I think that's why Jeff has a chance of being the, the head football coach of the Colts is because it looks on the outside that Jim Irsay has lost a little bit of respect for his GM and wants to have a little bit tighter leash on the entire football side of operations. That's fact. And look, this Saturday experiment, you need to remember, technically worked for Jim Irsay. The two winning outcomes were they turn around the season. It becomes one of the best stories in the NFL. Jim Irsay is credited with one of the better out-of-the-box ideas in recent memory. That didn't happen. But the other winning formula was this goes completely south. 
and you set yourself up to find a franchise quarterback in the town where a franchise quarterback proved it can change not only your city, but your state and your entire reputation. And that happened here. And it appears now you have a chance for that to happen again. The only losing scenario out of all of this is had Jeff Saturday gone three and four. You're picking 12th. <laughs> you have no answer as head coach. The The excitement has worn off with the fan base. You're stuck at quarterback again. So again, Colts fans, as you know, you won. It was painful, and it's still very well maybe painful into next season and beyond, but at least you aren't in the middle. Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook. At 215, Vic Lombardi, one of my favorite personalities anywhere in America on television. He works for Altitude. They cover the Nuggets, really, but he also is a radio host in Denver. There is a Broncos assistant coach interviewing today in Indianapolis. We'll get the full story on who this up-and-coming defensive mind is. Plus, we'll revisit what went wrong for the Pacers at the Garden. And a little bit later, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joining us with his assessment now that 2022 is over. We're back on the fan after this. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. A triumphant march into the 2 o'clock hour here on The Fan. Charlie Clifford to Wish TV, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook. That was TJ McConnell postgame at Madison Square Garden. A 25-point deficit shrunk to two. The Pacers clawed back without the services of Tyrese Halliburton, without Miles Turner for the entire game. Also, Aaron Neesmith and O'Shea Brissett injured for that one. Uh, worth the price of admission, a very slow start, and now you wait. And uh, as we asked Mark Boyle earlier during the last hour, no injury update just yet on Tyrese Halliburton. It is right now a sore left knee. Scott Pollard, we address some Madison Square Garden stories with you yesterday. Did you have a favorite game at the Garden as a player, Pacers, Celtics, or otherwise when you look back on your NBA career? Um, it would have been with the Kings. We were we only come out once, you know, from the Western Conference to the East. So you only play at the Garden once when you're a West Conference team. But uh, it would have been with the Kings. I don't have one in specific in mm-hmm. mind. I just know that there was uh, a lot of times when we would come to New York when I was teammates with Chris Weber, um, back spasms. <laughs> <laughs> and so typically I would start or play heavy minutes uh, against the Knicks um, for, for that reason. Just and they, they weren't good. Checking out the scenery and the Big Apple. And so, Sometimes that hinders you. Sometimes your back goes out. So... Um, I would I would end up starting or playing heavy minutes against the Knicks a lot, and I I I enjoyed the I, I'm a history guy. I enjoyed the 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 garden, the mecca, the history of the building, the banners in the building, the smell of the building. Mm. You know, uh, it's just it's a it's a landmark, and it's a it's an honor to play in that place. It's a it's an honor to walk into that place. It's a really cool building, and it's just. It's terrible at the same time. I mean, we had to walk down this huge ramp behind the scenes to get to and from the bus. I mean, it's just terrible because the bus can't go up there. It, the underbelly of that place is it's, it's pathetic. It's unbelievable. It's old and it's pathetic. One of my favorite stories, though, I will say, what had nothing to do with basketball, but we took the train 
from Philadelphia right to the Madison Square Garden. <laughs> You're stop, kidding me. And we came up underneath on our own car. The uh, Sacramento Kings. Yeah, we came up in our own car and and we had our own car on the Amtrak or whatever it was and, and we stopped at the Madison Square Garden and uh, walked out, stayed close by and that's that's how we got to the game. I, I thought that was fun. We needed a hard knocks version of the NBA with the Sacramento Kings. I will I will die on that stake. That was <laughs> one of the most interesting cast of characters. Uh, we'll continue to get into that. Scott can't Pollard tell the stories. He's with us as, as well tomorrow. Uh, we'll see what we can get off the record for him on the air. <laughs> Colts interview process continues. Friday, it's going to be Ben Johnson, Lions offensive coordinator. He interviewed with the Texans today. Uh, one of these young guns who turned around a Lions offense behind Jared Goff. Again, you watch Sunday night as they stun the Packers, held Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs. Today, it was Broncos defensive coordinator Ejero Ivero, 42 years old. Vic Lombardi is going to join us from Denver with the latest on this story. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about a candidate who appears. If you're looking for a young defensive mind, this is the number one option potentially in this year's coaching cycle. IU dropped to Penn State 85-66. Jeff Rabjohns with the level of concern in Bloomington, which has reached a new height of the Mike Woodson tenure, just year two for Coach Woodson, and suddenly down two starters. IU can't even play a game within single digits of most of these Big Ten schools over the past three games. IU hosting Wisconsin Saturday. The Badgers ranked 18th in the country. Scott Pollard. A fan at UK was ejected earlier this week for bringing a sign <laughs> to Rupp Arena that read, please go to Texas, yeah, directed have- at John Calipari. What's your pulse on what's going on in Lexington? It's not good. Speaking of coaches that have lost their locker room, I watched that game, and those those players aren't playing. They're, they're not even trying. Um, they have really fallen. The wheels fell off the wagon a while back, and now they're just, they're not even pushing the wagon. It's it's pretty bad. <laughs> and obviously, Kentucky considers themselves a blue bud. They are. Uh, Cal has a great reputation as a recruiter. He constantly brings in the talent, and I think you know even in his off years, the preseason games he he schedules are against top ten teams always. He has a he has a great off season schedule, uh, but then he goes to the SEC and let's be fair, it's a football conference and year in and year out, they haven't had a whole lot of competition consistently for or rivalries within the conference season. Now, Alabama is really freaking good. And and there's other schools in the SEC have made strides in, in their basketball program. Bama just beat them by 22 yeah. the other night. It was embarrassing to watch. And and there were boos at halftime. I, again, I watched that game. It was pretty bad. And this was the South Carolina game, to be clear. Oh, that's correct? right. The yeah. South Carolina game was the one they're I watched. They're blurring together in Lexington, which is yes. a problem. Well, they're both red teams. So, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the Gamecocks embarrassed the Wildcats on their home court at Rupp Arena. And... You, you got a guy getting ejected, which made a bigger headline than the fact that they got smashed by South Carolina. Whoa. Cal, Cal used to get by because he had so much talent. Even if they struggled in the preseason against the really good teams, then they go to the conference and it's like, all right. They put it together. Well, you can put it together, but also you can out-talent teams <laughs> in college. You can't do it in the NBA, but in college you can out-talent teams with bad coaching. You just we have five McDonald's All Americans and you have none in the SEC. <laughs> We're gonna beat you even if I can't coach, you know. And he is a good coach, um, but it's a glaring weakness right now is his ability to get them back on board. Much like the situation in Bloomington, 
it's not looking good in Lexington, and it looks a whole lot they're, – they're very similar. They, they were teams that look good on paper, and you're going, okay, you know what, they could do some damage. No, they can't. And that's coaching. When you've lost your team and they're not playing defense for you, they're not even trying. They looked embarrassed to be on the court, and yeah. they should have. They should have against South Carolina. They looked embarrassed. By the end of the game, they just didn't even move. They just looked like, all right, well, look at the clock. When's this over? That is a team that has completely ignored and left the favors of their head coach. There may no be rescue in that one because <laughs> once once the entire team turns on you, then it's like, all right. But Coach Cal has a lifetime contract. And that these are the details on this. There is some confusion. Texas – reportedly, according to 247 Sports, has reached out to Calipari. Calipari on his Monday night radio show uh, denied that, but nonetheless, it seems to be a report from a reputable place that came out before that comment. Again, Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Scott Pollard, and Jimmy Cook. If Texas were to lure uh, John Calipari to Austin, technically, Calipari doesn't have a buyout if he leaves on his own. However... If he is fired after this season, the university owns John Calipari a quarter million under $40 million. And there have been message boards where UK fans have now begun to gather up support potentially to help pay that buyout. That's pretty easy. They have a lot of alumni that own like $40 million. (laughs) Yes. That's nothing. (laughs) That's Churchill Downs money talking right there. He, Cal's been under heat before. Yeah. Does this time feel different? It does because the the pathetic outcome. Like you can go on a losing streak. You lose two or three in a row. One and three in the SEC. You you lose two or three in a row ever at Kentucky, at Kansas, at, at North Carolina is getting a lot of heat right now. You know, when you're a blue bud and you go on a two or three game slide, there's heat. But this is different. This is like they're 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 getting beat by terrible teams and they're embarrassed by terrible teams. That's a big difference. That's not just like, oh, we got to tweak some things and we got to get better. That's like, whoa, that does feel a whole lot different than just saying, hey, you know what? It's a tough conference. We dropped a couple disappointing games, but they were close. Our guys are battling. You know, when you can say those kind of things, you're on the hot seat because you're a blue blood program and you've lost a couple games. But at least, yes, our, our, our players mm-hmm. are competing. You can go back on that. These players aren't competing. They don't want to be on the court. That's embarrassing. That is a that is a, a very similar. Like I've been saying about Woodson and in and, and Bloomington, when your team doesn't want to play defense, when your team doesn't want to be on the court, they've given up on you as a coach. I don't know how you reel that back in. I don't know as a coach how you go. All right, yep, yeah, my team has completely given up on me, but I'll be able to just throw the old uh, fishing pole back <laughs> and reel them back in, talk to them about this or that, and again. Maybe it's a bowling night. Maybe Lexington needs it. Maybe he needs to take him out to the stud farm and have him watch a horse do that. Coach Williams did that to us one time. When Are we were you in the kidding play. me? We played in Lexington in the Sweet 16, and we went to a stud farm and watched Seattle Slough get it on. Jesus <laughs> that, Christ. That was, that was a memorable experience, and he had we're his own family We're going to get Roy Williams on tomorrow to, oh, Roy. to confirm this story. You've compared the situation to the last month in Bloomington, really the last two weeks. Kentucky had won 28 consecutive home games before this most recent loss against South Carolina, the game we've alluded to. What John Calipari's done for a decade now. To me, I can't compare the two. Let's 
let's take into account how bad it's been here in Bloomington mm-hmm. and the the struggles that the poor Kentucky fans have had to go through <laughs> in Lexington. Those poor people. This agony. I, to me, this feels like a bit of an overreaction. This Texas firing just happened. Chris Beard, from what he did on the court, was not going to be going anywhere anytime soon. His behavior off the court certainly warranted him being removed. If true. Correct. It just feels like the perfect storm right now for Kentucky message boards and John Calipari's weathered a few storms. If Coach Cal leaves Lexington, I think at this point in his career, Scott Pollard, he's going back to the NBA. He has learned, he's adapted, he's built an NBA program in Lexington to go to Austin and to, okay, carry the flag for a program that will always be a football school that has Arch Manning showing up on campus this fall that will revitalize that program, whether it's wins and losses or just from a a headline standpoint. John Calipari going to the NBA and proving himself there, that would seem like for someone who's that competitive and who still has life left in him, he's in his early 60s, that would be the obvious answer. If I'm forecasting what would be next for Cal if he decides, look, I'm going to walk from $40 million, I'm going to leave Kentucky where they don't have to fire me. And I know if if I walk out that door and shake their hand, I'm leaving $40 million on the table. And the the way to make that up is to sign an NBA coaching contract. (laughs) You make 20 back in the first deal, right? So um, I, I... I don't know why anybody would rather be a a college coach than an NBA coach anyway, just because of the level of stupid rules that college coaches are supposed to follow that most of them don't, including Cal. Um, And the, just the, the structure that there is and the appearances you have to do for the, the donors and all that kind of stuff, the politician stuff that has nothing to do with basketball that you have to do as a college coach versus an NBA coach. So, yeah, I don't understand why anybody would want to do college over the NBA unless you strictly like the idea that you're coaching younger minds yeah. and improving younger players and getting them ready you're for, truly the, chill. for the next Still level Still changing of life. lives before yes. you get to the NBA, your Which lives change the moment you Some sign of them, up. yes. A lot of them, no. Especially when you're a one-and-done coach like Calipari is. I don't think that's what he gets off on, to quote Chris Ballard. <laughs> I'm going back to that line. I don't think that that's what Cal is about, is, is melding talent and men. I think he's about bringing the talent in and winning games. He's not trying to get the, to be these guys' best friends and help them be better students like some other coaches. I think that's he's the a selling pitch, right? When you're Which, saying, hey, you're going to be with me for a year, yeah. that's the plan. You're going to start. 90% you're win of his players, have that's a chance at a national title. Yeah. You're, that's why you're here, and I'll see you in the NBA one day. And he's produced a ton of NBA players as a result. Think but about the team he could field just by – If they didn't leave. It, or, every year. or if he went to the league and just said, give me all the guys I've coached. Yeah. And put it together. It, uh, it's a long list. I couldn't even the, name them the all. The UK but. situation, as Scott pointed out, you think it's bad in Bloomington. Well, look, the the pitchforks are out in Lexington as as well. UK's ten and six. They have five double digit losses. They're one in three in SEC play. We'll see who can get it back on the track first. We're going to be joined by Vic Lombardi here shortly. Altitude TV. There is a candidate in Indianapolis right now interviewing for the head coaching job with Jim Ursay 
Chris Ballard, Ed Dodds, and others here at the Colts Complex. And Vic Lombardi knows this story uh, better than most. So he's going to join us next on The Fan. Jimmy, okay if we take a quick timeout beforehand? How do you want to handle this? We've gone. We've you can if you'd like to. You're just gonna have a longer middle segment, but you're you're, you're welcome to if you wow, like. The you're honesty. Driving us. Let's you're driving us. let's take a quick timeout. Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook. You knew it was bad in Indianapolis after you looked up at the scoreboard. Week one in Houston, a twenty to twenty tie. Well, the only other team that can say we know your pain was the Denver Broncos this year. We'll get the full story from Vic Lombardi next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to The Fan. Charlie Clifford of Wish TV. Scott Pollard is in here. Scott's giving us the full breakdown on what's going on with the Pacers. We still don't have an injury update on Tyrese Halliburton. Left the garden last night with a sore left knee in the third quarter. Pacers nearly come back to stun the Knicks. It's still a great story, and I know all of you in Indy today driving around, fingers crossed, please do not let this be a significant injury that will potentially create a huge speed bump for Rick Carlisle and what's been one of the more entertaining stories in the Eastern Conference over the first half of the season. Right now, we need to get into the Colts coaching search. We've continued to monitor who the candidates are going to be, who are the long shots, and then Jim Harbaugh clearly remaining the favorite, unless we're told otherwise. Right now, joining us from Altitude TV, he is the go-to guy when it comes to Denver sports. Vic Lombardi on the mower shop from Fisher's Hotline. Vic, thanks for hopping on. Under short notice, we have a candidate here in Indy today that we're trying to learn more about. Please give us the full story on this young, impressive defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. Absolutely brilliant mind. He really is. Everybody who comes across him, anybody who meets him in person, they walk away with the same mentality. This kid is special. And I call him a kid because he's young, but bottom line is he ran a defense here in Denver that basically – played with one arm tied behind its back all season long. (laughs) The offense was miserable, and the defense carried most of the load. And, you know, both sides of the ball had injuries, but the defense never used those injuries as an excuse. Uh, Jiro Evero is everything you can ask for. Um, Now, as a coordinator, he was great. You never know what happens when you take that next step as a head coach. It's a different job. It requires different services different responsibilities. So I'm not going to tell you right now he's going to make a great head coach. I can tell you he's a brilliant mind and a great coordinator. Is he a good fit, though, Matt, for a team? Uh, I'm sorry, Vic. Uh, Is he a good fit for a team here in Indianapolis that is looking to get another quarterback and they they pride themselves on scoring a lot of points? Mm -hmm. And typically defensive-minded coaches don't are are not offensive-minded coaches also. Well, uh, the Denver Broncos hired an offensive-minded coach who called the plays, and he averaged the fewest points in Broncos history and the fewest in the NFL this season. So (laughs) having an offensive-minded coach doesn't always get you offense. I think having coaches uh, who conduct that side of the ball is plenty. I mean, listen, you just – I mean, what defensive-minded coach would not want to score points? It's going to make his defense better. 
So I don't think you should worry much about that. I the, the, the concern with Evero is just never having done it before, never having run his own shop before. Like sure. any new coach, you got to go in with that notion. But I, you know, I've never been big on. Oh, this guy's a defensive coach, or this guy's an offensive coach. Some of the greatest defensive-minded coaches in the history have had great offenses because they let their coaches run the offense. Yeah, stay out of the way. Vic Lombardi, Altitude TV out west in Denver, joining us. Vic, it was painful in Indianapolis. It was painful in Denver. Are you willing to make an argument right now of who had it worse this season? Because really, the last three weeks of the year, we were like, oh, gosh, we laughed about it on Thursday Night Football, about how ugly that thing was. Who do you think had it tougher this season? Both coaches gone. You could say, all right, maybe Denver has a plan going forward at quarterback. Break that one down for me. Well, the tiebreaker is pretty simple. The Colts played the Broncos this season, correct? <laughs> yes. Who, who, who won that game? And is that a good thing that the Colts won? Yeah, see, the Broncos had it worse. See, that's it. That's all you need to know. The Broncos are far worse. Hang on, but I mean, Seattle's got that third pick now, and that could be a major hindrance for Chris Ballard here if if uh, Houston goes with the quarterback, the Colts can't trade up to one, and then Pete Carroll says, guess what? I need a long-term plan for Geno Smith. Colts, you're screwed. You get the third-best quarterback. That game could have just, just changed the trajectory of the next 10 years, Vic, in Indianapolis. Hold on a second. You just used the sentence. The, the Colts have the third pick, correct? The Colts the have the fourth pick. Fourth pick. pick. All right, whatever. The Broncos pick is Seattle's. They don't even have their own damn pick until late in the 20s because they gave it away. So whatever scenario you present for the Colts, and I get it, you didn't meet expectations, and this is the year that the Colts are supposed to be that that team that surprises and it didn't work out, I get it. For all of that crying in Indianapolis, the tears are much larger in Denver. This is an organization that uh, has gone through seven years of pure misery. Uh, mm-hmm. No playoffs after a Super Bowl. It's been really bad. And and Russell Wilson was supposed to revive everything. Instead of reviving, they decayed. So I I don't know where to go with this one. I, at least in Indy, you guys have a place <laughs> to go. You have a fifth, fourth pick, whatever the hell it is. Denver doesn't even have one of those. <laughs> hey, Vic, I feel your pain. My wife is from there and a lifelong Denver Broncos fan, so I've been living that pain in my own household. Sure, sure. And and it's you know it's something that Broncos fans – you got to understand this franchise, too. They've had season tickets sold out since 1960. So there's no such thing as getting season tickets to a Broncos game. And this year, for the first time in a long time, I went to games. There's 18,000, 20,000 empty seats. I remember seeing those screenshots, Vic. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Doesn't happen. All right. Vic Lombardi here on the Motor Shop from Fisher's Hotline. Uh, Again, Young defensive coordinator from Denver interviewing today. Ben Johnson, Lions OC, coming in Friday. Vic, I've gotten to know Joe Ellis a little bit. Big fan of what he was able to do for that organization. New ownership group, however, is in there. Peyton Manning still out there. Of course, Peyton's future will always be a major talker here in the Circle City. How much have you seen of Peyton lately and... Give me your crystal ball. What's going to go on with Manning? The Manning cast has been a hit. Omaha Productions sure. is killing it. What do you think is going to be next for Peyton Manning long term? You know, we see a lot of Peyton in and around town. He's involved in a lot of different charities. and I actually see him on the golf course on occasion in the summers. Lovely. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think Peyton 
had like a master plan. I really don't. Everything he touches turns to gold. It really does. He He's so good, so adept, so detailed. And I think when you're wired that way, whatever you do touch works because he doesn't let any stone unturn. And that's the way he's always been. You guys know that. I mean, anybody in Indy knows how he's wired. Sure. Uh, I, I, we A lot of people suspect that while he's certainly going to be a part of the Denver Broncos moving forward, well, how? In what capacity? He, he's not part of the ownership group. He's not going to coach. The only thing he would do is run the team as a GM, and I'm not even sure he wants to do that. That's a lot of time. So I, I think Peyton Manning has a clean slate as far as his future is concerned, and I have no idea which way he's going to go. What would you like to see him do, Vic Lombardi? What would you enjoy most from – you're a content creator. No one gets more laughs out of the Denver fan base than you. What do you think yeah. would – or is it already happened with, with the Monday Night Football stuff? Yeah, I mean, he's inventing content we never know existed, like the Manning cast. You know, we didn't do that stuff willingly and watch it willingly, and now, now we watch all the time. There's a lot of things he's doing that in, in our content world, we nobody ever did it as well as Peyton. Like, people try that Manning cast thing with other people, but nobody watches. No, right. They watch Peyton and Eli, though. It has to be certain people. So uh, he has that rare ability to connect, even as a superstar, you know, long-term, what I can see Peyton Manning doing, and, I, and when I say long-term, I mean 10 years, 20 years down the line. When I saw him at the Hall of Fame, yep. we attended his Hall of Fame ceremony, and he gave that speech. I looked at him and I said, commissioner. that right there is the future commissioner of commissioner. the National Football. Boom. Yep. It, it, if you read between the lines of that speech, it's so funny you said that, Vic, because we all reacted the same way. Oh, gosh. Goodell, whenever that becomes time, that felt very much like a commissioner speak. Uh, Vic, I know you're in the car, so we're going to get you out of here quickly. If you were to make a decision today, does Evero, again, the young defensive coordinator from the Broncos who led a top five unit this season despite all the struggles for Russell Wilson's first year, former teammate, roommate of Nathaniel Hackett at Cal, that's how this thing came together. Is he a head coach in this cycle how would you put those odds this afternoon, Vic? Um, I would say they're 50-50. It all depends on the relationship he forms with whatever prospective owner interviews him. And if they you know, if they see chemistry there, it, it always comes down to that. If, if there's an owner that sees a spark, then boom. But it's not going to happen in Denver because Denver's last three coaches were first-time head coaches. Yeah, it's time right? for and some stability. Formula, yeah, what about Frank the, Reich out in Denver, Vic? What about Frank Reich? Well, you know, Frank Reich's name was brought up. It was brought up, but I, it never really went anywhere. I think I think Denver's going to aim, like, big. They they want a Harbaugh or a Peyton or mm-hmm. possibly a Dan Quinn. I think they're going to try and go as big as they can. They need a bigger than – they need a personality that's going to come in here and tell Russ what to do without having to worry <laughs> about it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's a, that's a factor. When you're dealing with a, a big personality quarterback, sometimes coaches – uh, they'll cave, and I'm not saying that's what Nathaniel Hackett did, but you know who's Nathaniel Hackett compared to Russell Wilson? If Harbaugh comes in and Harbaugh says we're doing it this way, that's just the way it's going to be. Vic, getting you out of here on this one, uh, Scott Pollard sitting to my right. Do you have a favorite Kings Nuggets memory, early 2000s? What can you pull out of the Lombardi archive for us this afternoon? Oh God, early 2000s Kings Nuggets. Did you ever go up against the great Nikolo Skeetishvili? <laughs> Skeets! <laughs>
You know, my favorite Nikola Skidashvili story, he gets drafted by the Nuggets, man, and he, he barely spoke English, and we did this story. We, we, we jumped in his car, and we said, hey, uh, let's go for a ride, and I'll interview while we're driving around town. So he gets in the driver's seat. I'm in the passenger. Our photographer's in the back. He backs out of his parking spot there at the facility and backs right into another car. <laughs> the cops show up, right, to file a report. He doesn't know if he has insurance. He doesn't know if he ever bought insurance. He doesn't have a driver's license. He has absolutely nothing. <laughs> with this poor guy. He thinks he's going to jail. It was, I mean, it was sad, to be honest with you. I felt so bad after that. Did that bit make air, Vic? Oh, yeah, we did the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> we got to dig that up. Tell me that's on Skates. YouTube. At Vic Lombardi on Twitter, Altitude TV. Listen to him on 92.5 in Denver. It sounds like a similar story, Colts. You're trying to make a big swing higher for the Broncos. That's certainly what Jim Mercer is trying to do here. Vic, appreciate you hopping on on no short problem, notice. Man. Thanks, Vic. Take care. Thank you. Scott Pollard's here, Charlie Clifford, Jimmy Cook. The good news is we're going to segue right to Matt Taylor here shortly, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts, kind enough to join us. We have not heard from Matt Taylor since the season ended. Uh, Matt Taylor had some viral calls earlier this season. You think about the fourth quarter game-winning drives. Remember, Matt Ryan now sixth all-time on that list. He had four of them through, what, the first seven weeks of the season, the Kansas City win, the Jacksonville win, the win in Denver. We just connected with Vic Lombardi out in Denver. Things were going very right late in games. And Matt Ryan, when he reflects on why, Scott, he told us on Monday, he still thinks his body is football left in him. And some people laughed and some people said, you're crazy. Well, he would probably just flip on the tape in the fourth quarter and say, hey, see all these other names that were getting you fantasy points? thrown for whatever behind good offensive lines. They didn't have as many game-winning drives as I did this season Yeah, with the second-worst offensive line in football, with a wide receiver or tight end that no one had any interest in playing in fantasy football this year, with a head coaching change. Uh, yeah, I have football left in me. Who are you to say I don't? And I think maybe, maybe he isn't crazy. I don't think he's crazy. What, there's there's no indication that he can't play in the NFL. Should he be a starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts? No. That's best for both parties. Yeah, it doesn't work here, but it doesn't mean he can't go play somewhere else. Matt, Just because of this, this, the, the fit. It doesn't fit here. No. But he's not done. There's a lot of gas left in that tank. Matt Taylor joins us now on the guest line presented by the Mower Shop and Fishers, themowershop.com, all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Matt Taylor, Scott Pollard, and I, along with Jimmy Cook, seated in the drivehubler.com studios. You were in the locker room Monday as the players packed up and headed out. We saw Michael Pittman Jr. posted today. He got down to do some hunting with his grandfather, who's in his 70s, for the first time, grandfather, grandson, hunting together. A nice way to clear the mind after what was a very frustrating season for Michael Pittman Jr. What were some of the most important updates you gathered Monday that you think will be significant here in the early going in the offseason in Indy? First of all, that's awesome. I mean, I don't know if it's a great hunting day today here in central Indiana, but that's a great story. I did not realize that. But I think, you know, from a newsworthy standpoint, I think I heard the tail end of what you guys were saying. I think, you know, Matt Ryan continues to uh, have the idea in mind that, you know, he's not going to retire. And, 
he's going to go into his age 38 season and and still think that he can play. And I, I do agree with you guys. He, you know, he showed a lot of flashes this year that you know he can still be the Matt Ryan of old. But you know, whether or not that makes sense in Indianapolis, we're going to wait and see on that, I guess. Um, Shaq Leonard and his update from a health standpoint sounds like that second surgery is having a, a much better effect on his body mm-hmm. than, the one, than the one he had back in June. So that's a good developing sign for his rehab and his progress towards 2023. I think the same thing with Jonathan Taylor as well. Sounds like there's a positive belief that he's going to have that he will avoid surgery on that ankle. And he was in and out of the lineup this year. So that's that's a good sign, you know, to get him back healthy, ready to go for 2023 and be more like the guy we saw in, in 2021 when he led the NFL in rushing with 1,800 yards. Yeah, one can hope. By, you know, from a wide, wide margin. So, you know, those are the things that really stood out to me. And then, you know, just talking with a guy like Ryan Kelly, who has seen it all. I mean, he's been in the NFL since 16 and longest tenure Colt, and he's played with nine different quarterbacks. And, you know, he's seen he, – he's run the gamut in terms of experience, both personal and, and professional. And uh, he said this year for him was up there in terms of just – you know, most mentally taxing considering the way the season started and getting off to another bad start and stubbing your toe against the AFC South. And then, you know, the, the changes that basically started after week seven and going to Sam Ellinger and then doubling back to Matt Ryan and Marcus <laughs> Brady gets fired. And, you know, your head coach who's been with you since 2018, Frank Wright gets let go. And then we go to Nick Foles and then it's the Sam Ellinger again. So, I think a lot of guys just had a lot of different emotions in terms of being upset and mad and PO'd about how the season went. But then also, I think just human nature, just that that sense of relief that it was over and now the narrative can change and you can look forward to an upcoming season where you try to right a lot of wrongs that the Colts experienced this year. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor joins us. Charlie Clifford of Wish TV, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook. There's been reports and I've take it more as hearsay of, oh gosh, the fractured relationships between Chris Ballard and the players. There are 18 other teams, Matt Taylor, who to some degree are in the similar spot as the Colts this week. You're on the couch. You're you're looking for answers of how this season went wrong. What needs to be changed when you don't win? People don't get along. People don't get paid as much. It's where you are. Reggie Wayne has gone out of his way to stand up for the young wide receiver room on social media since the season ended. He's applauded their ability to kind of get through the muck of this season. There was no offense that was under more change this season once it started to when it completed than the one in Indianapolis. What are your takeaways, not only from Michael Pittman Jr., but all the way down the depth chart about where this pass catcher group, and I'll loop in tight end as, as well, where are they on January 12th here, Matt Taylor, of 2023? Yeah, I think it's a group that, you know, performed at times well, and then at other times, and I think a lot of things contributed to this, you know, just the changeover in quarterback, and then, I mean, you changed quarterbacks five times last year between three guys. Um, and you were down a bunch of offensive coaches towards the end of the season. Your two masterminds within that offense, scheme-wise, you know, were no longer there after the New England game in the middle of November. Um, so, you know, there's some things that contributed to it, but I, I think I think we can all agree that, you know, the, the passing game in general needs attention. 
And unfortunately, we've been saying this now for, you know, I think three or four years. At I mean, least. Since Andrew Luck's retirement, right? I mean, so when you look at it, I mean, the Colts didn't throw for more than 250 yards um, in 11 straight games to end the season, right? They threw under 250 in 11 straight. And Carson and Wentz's second it, half, Matt Taylor, was nearly identical in terms of struggling to throw the ball for over 225. That's exactly right. I mean, last year, I don't know why I remember this, but last year they only threw over 200 yards twice in the last eight games of the season. So it's it's sort of like this. Unfortunately, it's been a bad 12 months for the Colts offense. If you go back to you know that Christmas night game against the Arizona Cardinals last year, the Colts are 4-14-1 in that time span. I mean, that's more than a, a full season's worth of bad results. And uh, you know, I looked at it yesterday. I mean, the, the Colts, Colts pass catchers, like you said, you throw in the tight ends into that group as well. Uh, Colts pass catchers in the last two seasons have only produced five 100-yard receiving games. Yeah, Four of them are from Pittman. The other one's from Jonathan Taylor against the Ravens in 2021. So, you know, I think you've got some pieces here. I mean, Pittman's a, a good – I think he's an above-average wide receiver in the NFL, especially, I think, when the Colts use him more in the slot. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think I think Pierce is going to be a good yards-per-catch guy. I mean, we saw that at times this year with the, the – you know, he had three catches over 40 yards on the season. I think you can tap into that more. I think Jelani Woods is going to be a good playmaker. Again, when you're talking about pushing the ball down the field vertically, getting explosive plays. Um, but there's no question that everything in the passing game, offensive line included, has to be examined this season, and it's got to be looked at in terms of how the Colts attack teams schematically and then also personnel-wise where they can get better in that aspect on offense. And Matt Taylor, this is the glaring issue in Indianapolis for any skilled position player, and you're not the only one. I am the same way in this. Every statement starts with, I think, and outside of Jonathan Taylor, he is the only person you can say something definitively starting a sentence with, I know. You know the elite caliber that Jonathan Taylor can bring to your football team. And quite frankly, anyone else who's going to have the ball in their hand on this roster, it's still an I think statement. And that's a failure on Chris Ballard's part, one that he owned up to on Tuesday. I'm bringing in Scott Pollard here. Gentlemen, the game potentially in the AFC Championship if needed, will be played in Atlanta. I am putting both of you on the spot with Jimmy Cook as the judge, jury, and executioner here this afternoon. If you could have one venue to play one football game anywhere on earth, where would that be? And Scott Pollard, I'm starting with you. Oh, thanks. Uh, Thanks for the heads up on the question, too. I appreciate that. (laughs) I tried to really give you a long-winded question there to begin the the thought process here. Atlanta, it's going to be Atlanta, by the way, if you're just joining us. The Colts, Indianapolis was not able to say yes due to a scheduling conflict downtown involving Lucas Oil Stadium. Otherwise, it would have likely been here. Uh, It's got to be Vegas. I want to go see that uh, game, any game in that arena. And why not see it? At least some football in, a, in an arena. I'd rather see the Raiders play. Allegiant Stadium, but it's Allegiant Stadium for me in Vegas, and obviously that's why the Vegas Raiders are there is because <laughs> it's a nice place to visit, but you wouldn't want to live there. And that's a place Matt Taylor has been twice, if I'm not mistaken, unless you didn't go the Rivers year because of the COVID restrictions. Yeah. So yeah, we that that's the case. So we only went this year. So we didn't go in 2020. Um, you're right. It's spectacular. It's it's a great, great venue, state of the art, like you can imagine. 
So are we going? Are we going championship game or just like any any venue where I just want to watch a football game for the rest of my life? This would be for this year's championship game, but you would be able to select any venue in with the, the thought of, hey, like Matt Taylor is the person. It's not Roger Gattel. It's actually this guy in Indy named Matt <laughs> Taylor who's chosen it, and this is why he's chosen it. Well, for me, it's got to be in Lambeau, and I know the yes. weather would be just awful. But, I mean, Lambeau Field, and I've only been there one time, so I'm looking forward to going back whenever that is. But to me, Lambeau Field is the most NFL-wise just classic NFL stadium. And what I mean by that is just all about football there. There's no – yeah, they got a Jumbotron, and they got a you know a big, loud, pumping PA system like everybody else. <laughs> but – and, again, I hope I don't – uh, rub some people the wrong way here because you know it, it's all about the almighty dollar and I get it but when you're there you feel like you're at, you're at an NFL game there's no like the gimmicks and the promotions and the ribbon board like there's just not a lot of that you just feel like football is the most important thing to the fans at that game because it is such a classic bowl shaped stadium and it is just iconic and legendary and historic so i've been there one time and it was just it was all about football for me i mean a lot of the nfl nonsense stuff that you normally get at some of these places correct just was absent and so i i I hope i said that the right way or i'm being politically correct but matt i'm with you now i changed my answer it's lambo jimmy doesn't even need to come in we have a a unanimous agreement but in june Oh no! Come on! Not, not, yeah, I'm not, I'm, this, this is my issue. We it's have too two, cold. We have two outdoor teams: Buffalo and Kansas City. Again, this would be the what if statement. If these two meet, it's going to Atlanta, and we're going to be playing right. in a dome. Come on, man! Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm it's with Lambo all the, the way. It's not as if the weather in Lambo is going to be better than it is in Kansas City on January 29th or, or Buffalo, Buffalo, right? On January 29th. So yeah, why not? Let's do it. I mean, it's it's a classic stadium for a classic game and. Like I said, it's all about football at that point when you're playing inside that venue, man. Chiefs Nation and Bills Mafia convening at Lambeau Field. That would be the only thing that would potentially risk Packers fans having to pass the torch about the most beer consumed in one 24-hour period on a Sunday. Think about that. Packers fans have never had to worry about that. It's a Chiefs kingdom. Jimmy is ready to fly over the desk and, and, and headbutt me here. Uh, Matt Taylor, we're wishing you a fantastic offseason. Thank you for giving us what were the best moments this season, the Alec Pierce touchdown call, the late drive with the interception from Stephon Gilmore to seal the game in Denver. You were the soundtrack to a little bit of joy and happiness this season, and for that, we thank you, sir. Well, you're you're overstating it, but I appreciate you. It's going to be weird this weekend. I'm looking for something to do, so... If you want to go out for beers, I'm your man because I'm open. Scott and I are suddenly very free and we have nothing to do. <laughs> I got no. a couple of Carmel Dads Club co- basketball games I got to go to, but other than that, I'm pretty uh, wide open. Matt Taylor, all the best this offseason, bud. All right, guys. Thank you. We are going to take a quick time out on the fan. Jimmy Cook's gambling expertise. When we return, Jay Cook steers us towards the 3 o'clock hour. JMV picks it up from there. Charlie Clifford and Scott Pollard will be back. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook. We have news for you, Indianapolis, if you're just hopping on with us on the fan, 93.5-1075. It's been an honor to be with you all week. Scott and I will be back tomorrow. Kyle Larson's coming to the Indianapolis 500 in 2024. Hendrick Motorsports, McLaren teaming up for an entry. Tony Kanan already on Instagram with a uh, slight jab. Yeah, the reason you got to wait, my guy, I'm not giving up my car for 2023. Regardless, NASCAR star coming to the greatest spectacle in racing. That will bring a large contingent of NASCAR interest. That is a beautiful thing for Roger Penske, Doug Bowles, Mark Miles, and the entire sport. But you'll have to wait a year. Kevin Warren stepping down as the Big Ten commissioner. He is going to be the president and CEO of the Chicago Bears. That job is now open. Derek Carr is officially broken up with the Raiders. He took that news public. The Raiders will now look to trade him, as Jimmy pointed out, before February. Without further ado, Jay Cook, we need gambling expertise, and there is only one man in the Drive Hubler studio who can handle that. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Short slate for today's plays of the day. Going to take the Dallas Mavericks toward the money line against the Los Angeles Lakers. Also going to lay six on the Miami Heat as they host the Milwaukee Bucks. You can find those plays on Twitter at the J Cook. Gentlemen, any wagers on your end tonight, or are you staying out of that foray? I don't bet on sports. I'm with Scott, man. We are uh, We're not going to be much help, man. There's not much hoops tonight. IUPUI hosts Fort Wayne. That's the only game on the docket tonight locally on the men's side. Sorry, Jimmy. That's all right. I got nothing. We like, like to open the table just in case. We're that leaves it with you though. We, you know, we're going to pretend to know and be expert. You've stepped into that space and you've done a great job. I appreciate that. Thank you, Charlie. Give us your quick update. Your better half ran a freaking marathon earlier this week. It's great to have you back. Shout out to the wife, Haley Cook. Successfully completed the Disney Marathon on Sunday. Took a little family vacation to Walt Disney World as well with her nephews and her mom and dad and her sister. It was a good time for the Cook and Neely family. So shout out to my wife. What were you doing while your wife was battling through? Uh, Navigating the monorail and other bus (laughs) systems to try to get to different parks and spectator areas to... Watch her take down the 26.3. So and, shout out to her. And most importantly, how is she doing? She's good. A- ankle's a little sore. Ice not a little bit, but but, but she's good. Safe travels uh, home from the Cook family. So all good. All good. I shout out that. to Mrs. Cook. Well done. Well done. Any uh, marathon experience in the in the Pollard crew? No, I ran all the miles, uh, yeah. but they were, they were them. sprinting miles. I didn't do the long distance miles. Uh, I, that sounds terrible to me. 26 miles I'm running. right there with you. It sounds awful. She wants me to run the Mini. I'm thinking about it. That's as far as I would go. The Mini is as far as I would go. I will not run. you got to start this afternoon, partner. Yeah, yeah I, know. I know. I'm not doing a half. I'm not doing a, a, a walk. I'm just, I'm I'm on cruise control, man. I already ran all the miles for my body. Clocked I'm, out. I'm Look, done. we're waiting for an update on Tyrese Halliburton's health. We hope JMV may have that for you starting at 3 o'clock. The Pacers don't practice today. The Hawks are in tomorrow. Memphis and John Morant coming Saturday. Colts interviewing Ejero Evero. We talked with Vic Lombardi out in Denver. This is a big name 
in the coaching cycle, a younger name on the defensive side, Ben Johnson, Lions OC, is going to come in on Friday. I already talked to Bubba Ventrone. And the saga continues for Jim Irsay and the Colts. Who will it be to lead this franchise into 2023? We'll pick back up with that story tomorrow. Scott Pollard, it's been a pleasure. It's been another wonderful day on air with you, Charlie. I appreciate it. And Cook, it's good to see you again, buddy. Right, yeah, I got you. We'll see you tomorrow, guys. Peace.